Captain's Log, Stardate, The Dot, and I'm Comrade Britain. And I'm President Pat Chekhov. These are the voyages of the starship USS SpaceX Explosion, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek both cringe and based, and to boldly go to the best episode of the show. Welcome to the bridge, everybody. I'm Comrade Britain. I'm Pat. This podcast is called Soy Trek, the Star Trek podcast where two Trekkies ask themselves, why couldn't we have gotten 10 episodes just <laughs> like this one? Eh, it was close. I, I like the first four and then this one. I liked, I, I mean, I think it or got progressive. Yeah, yeah, it got progressively better, I think, up until like episode five and then six. It started taking a weird downhill turn. Yeah. Right up until the last episode. And then this one, it was just like, oh, by the way, uh, here's how I'm going to tie it all up almost perfectly. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? How? Yeah. How almost? So we don't, we don't, we don't like. Where's, where's Laris? Okay. Well, yeah. So before we, <laughs> before we get into that, some announcements today. In fact, is four twenty. Smoke him. And so, uh, you know, I've got uh, like nine or ten grams of weed right in front of me in form of pre rolls, and uh, I'm going to be smoking throughout the podcast. Oh hell yeah! I'm going to see if I can smoke all this throughout. The oh, podcast. I just noticed all of them there. Yeah, yeah. There's I a lot of that. It. How? There's so many of them. It's so much weed. It's like oh, I didn't look at that. Mm-hmm. Too busy looking at my phone. Hell yeah! So they I'm millennials uh, and they phones. So if you uh, you hear the old cough, 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 don't worry, I am dying. <laughs> But slower than you think. And I'll just be watching, because I am unfortunately drug tested at my job. Bummer dog. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, they won't let me they won't let me get high and operate heavy equipment. That's dumb. I know. <laughs> heavy equipment. Is... I'm sorry, I thought this was America. Mm-hmm. Like half the people doing that shit anywhere, like on meth and whatever. It's true. Come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, marijuana is really going to impair you? Like, if anything, it makes me better at doing things. That's what I say. That's what I say. Especially when a, a cop catches me fucking their wife. I'm like, actually, weed makes me better at fucking your wife before they shoot mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it's a performance enhancer. It is, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, it's 420. Welcome to 420, everybody. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh, yeah. Due to requests on the internet, we're beefing with the Greatest Generation podcast, which is like... This I've done zero research into this. Yeah, yeah, same here. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I don't care. People are like, yeah, they're funny, but they're kind of like, you know, a straight, less wacky version than you and less, like, intense. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds like all things that I couldn't care less about. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so a funny Star Trek podcast by two straight married white men. Wow, that sounds thrilling. <laughs> thrilling. You know, and it's for it's for a lot of people because a lot I'll of people give, are... I'll give their podcast list. I only listen to like two podcasts a week. Oh, yeah, really? I yeah. listen to like 
a ton, just mm. countless. But um, yeah, that's surprising because you drive a lot. I do, but then I listen after I, I usually listen to a lot of music. Mm. Fair. I don't yeah. really listen to much music anymore. Yeah. I just listen to information, <laughs> which is weird because I like write. I I literally so it's weird. Like when I get like really invested into a lot of artistic stuff. Like when I was writing novels, I won't. I wrote three novels, and during the time I wrote three novels, I probably only read like four novels. <laughs> like I actually like do the art way more than I do the art that I'm like basing it off of. Or like just when like I'm, Garth Marenghi, you know, read read more. Read, yeah. you, you've written more books than you've read. Exactly, a hundred percent. Like, and also like when I get into the mode where I'm like making music, I just stop listening to other people's music. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. I think yeah. I feel. Like I don't want to be like duly influenced by it or something. I just kind of give up. So yeah. it's, it's kind of weird. So I actually don't listen to much music. I listen to music while I'm fucking, while mm-hmm. I'm working out. That's about it. Yeah. I don't really like listen to music other than that. I listen to like audiobooks and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I, I just like I fucking like information, man. Yeah, I was listening to some podcasts while I was lifting. Uh, I recently it was kind of a bad idea because I was like laughing really hard. Yeah, yeah, podcast while li- <laughs> like exercising doesn't work that well. I don't think. No, my, my I told you I think I, I, my brother um, listens to um, motivational speakers when he works out. It's the weirdest thing. Like when I went went to visit. That's him. fucking unhinged. <laughs> it is super unhinged. I went to go visit him, and he has a he has a gym and he has like a home gym in his basement, and like, like I was Jim Kirk. Yeah, Jim Kirk, Home and I was gym. like staying in um, and then like I was staying in like this small room in his in his basement when I was like visiting, mm-hmm. and like I just heard him like blasting um, uh, David Goggins, I think is his name, like the guy that's really big with Joe Rogan or whatever, and he was like just playing this guy just yelling. It'd be a lot cooler if it was Walton Goggins. <laughs> I, that's that's just, what I keep saying. I just like li- <laughs> like lines from him from the Shield. <laughs> he had no idea who Walton Goggins was. I actually had to educate him. So. Actually, so speaking of the shield, uh, yeah, I, shield I, I, I got to tell a story that actually oh. starts with the shield. Oh, you mean enough. Michael Chiklis? Cra- much, much <laughs> crazier than that. I mean, you've basically heard this story. Listeners haven't. You know, some some of the fans and followers know this story kind of because I've been telling it because it's the wildest thing that's ever happened to me in in relation to this podcast. So, um, last week on Sunday. I was on the internet and, uh, you know, um, we had just reviewed the previous episode of Picard and I was pretty disappointed with it. Mm-hmm. Pretty disappointed, uh, in fact, with Terry Matalas kind of. Yeah. Um, and so he, he actually like, uh, you know, he was just doing his thing. He does a lot of Twitter stuff and someone mm-hmm. put up like uh, a thing uh, that was like a show an image from the finale of a show that you'll never forget, right? Mm. And so he showed an image from the finale of The Shield. And, oh, yeah. and if you've watched the finale, you know that Vince, who's played by Michael Chiklis in the show, mm-hmm. uh, at the very end, like, basically his entire life falls apart, but he's not, like, found guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. So they just sent him to desk duty, which is, like, basically purgatory for him. Yeah. And the very last scene in the entire show is him opening his desk and like looking at a gun <laughs> and, and like the, the idea is he's contemplating suicide. Right. Yeah. And it's super powerful. It's, it's amazing storytelling. I mean, that show is one of the best shows ever made. It's, mm-hmm. it's the, one of the only cop shows that's not copaganda. Yeah. The, I, where the point is cops are bad. Yeah. I, 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 I had no interest in cop shows until I watched that one. I was just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, that the wire, I guess you can wire. consider that, but that's yeah. more like a Marxist systemic show. that <laughs> yeah. just like shows you systems. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, he, he, he posted that and, uh, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I think the, the very interesting idea, like I decided to immediately, uh, quote, retweet it 
with the caption, Terry, when everybody hates his finale of Picard, <laughs> insinuating that Terry Metalis was going to contemplate suicide <laughs> when everyone hated the Picard finale. Yeah. And uh, I guess it was like the first response he had to that because he had posted it like seconds ago. Mm. I was just like that clever. And, 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 you, and, and you love that reference. You always be I like, do. I do. No, I straight up. I, <laughs> I, all the time. You reference I'm, it constantly. I know. I'm, I'm constantly saying like looking at the gun. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, exactly. And it's a reference to that. And yeah. I never really say it's a reference to that, but I am constantly referencing yes. that because mm-hmm. it's an amazing image. Yeah. And so. He put that up. I said, Terry, whatever. And and so he saw that immediately. Mm. And he did two things in this order. He he responded to it immediately saying, your podcast is actually really, really funny, but goddamn, you are mean. <laughs> Which I'm like, oh shit, he saw that. <laughs> and then he blocked me. <laughs> and then he blocked like a ton of people that were on like different threads and stuff. Mm. And uh, it, it was interesting, and so I'm like, oh shit, I, I guess I pissed him off. But then, like a minute or two later, he unblocked me, mm. and then he started a chat with me. Yeah. And like saying, like, because I, I deleted the post, so like his response was deleted, and he was like, yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you saw it, but you guys are, are you know, y'all are really funny, but man, that's just like mean, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I have a we, we are pretty mean. We are. We are. And, <laughs> but the thing is, like, usually we're just mean to, like, characters or specific writing yeah. or the plot or, yeah. like, storytelling in general. Like, yeah. I'm usually not mean to people specifically, I yeah. don't think. Um, and I, I, I was mean in this moment. And so I, I apologized and I said, listen, I've actually got my own rule about, like, you know, keeping it away from the actual people mm-hmm. and really just, like, you know, addressing you know, criticisms I have in storytelling and characters, yeah. stuff like that, you know, stuff where it puts distance, you know, cause like I, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've said some dumb and shitty stuff on podcasts and stuff and people call me out on it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're right. I'm dumb and shitty. I'm sorry. I was oopsie daisy. <laughs> I was, what are you going to do? Um, I, mean, I, I am a total moron. <laughs> So that's why I have you on the podcast to make exactly. me look smarter by comparison. <laughs> um, well, but, Brit, stupid, but that other guy, <laughs> dumb and dumber <laughs> and dumber, dumber, it's really just dumber, <laughs> and the other one, yes, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> so, uh. I've been talking to Terry Metalis since Sunday. Nice. Like every single day, pretty much just yeah. going back and forth with him. And we've talked about a lot of stuff. Um, ultimately, like the guy obviously like cares about criticism against him mm-hmm. and like is actually very familiar with like the critical world about him. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a bit about, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the reviewer Doomcock. I, I know who he is. He's, he's a he's, fucking clown. He, yeah, he, I he hate him so a, much. He also has a secret Nazi um, uh, character that he does. Oh, that makes sense. Because like uh, some people were like, there was like, well, they were trying to figure out if if Doomcock was the Nazi as well because mm-hmm. it's like another guy that has also a costume, and but also does like similar like body movements and stuff. So mm-hmm. it definitely seems like it's. I mean, and chances are like a lot of those guys are just Nazis anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> you know if if you put on a fucking mask and. Like, I mean, we, we talked about him a little bit. He's just like, the dude is such a fucking goofus. And he was like, Terry's big thing was like, yeah. He was saying like Discovery was going to be canceled like forever. Yeah, no, Do- <laughs> Doomcock is one of those guys who is like, 
blinded by his critic. He's a hateful critic, yeah. which, uh, you know, although I have definitely very much disagreed with a lot of decisions, I feel like we never really get to the point of hate. We're just to the point of like, I'm really disappointed in this. Yeah. And like, he's gotten to the point where like, he completely dismisses everything that like Terry will do. And, and for the last two seasons, he's only referred to Picard as, get this, puke hard. Puke card? Puke hard. Oh, puke hard. Nice. It's not nice. It's <laughs> it's one of the most baby-brained. Like it, it's a fucking thing that only like AM conservative talk show hosts do. Yeah, like this is shit that would come from like Michael Savage or Sean Hannity mm-hmm. or fucking Rush Limbaugh. Like I can't stand it. This pew card. It has the values that are tearing apart America. You know, it's it's fucking like come on, man. So <laughs> Terry at least appreciated that we are. Um, intellectual about our criticism yeah. i am to a point i'm kind of dumb <laughs> I, I i lead a horse to water okay? yeah. <laughs> i got a big ass jug of water in front of me right now but um yeah it's been super interesting he's actually like interested in criticism and discourse about him yeah and in as much i had to explain some of the discourse mm-hmm. about terry tallest to mm-hmm. him which is something i never thought i would do or have to do <laughs> or anybody even wanted <laughs> like but it, you know it's it, it's interesting it's illuminating i appreciate the guy for actually like yeah. talking to his critics in a amicable way yeah and like trying to figure out you know what he's doing how people are receiving it mm-hmm. how he can either change the reception or perception mm-hmm. or he can change himself you know and that's that's the best any artist can do. Yeah, and I think most of our criticisms from this season were mostly just like, yeah, different like this like weird little plot holes. Storytelling. There were some political things that I yeah. do very the much stuff. Right, right. And <laughs> I, I do wonder because you know I talked to him at length about like things he could couldn't do stuff like that. It's obvious there was definitely a big element of. You know the studio, studio notes. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, studio notes, and that—that's always going to be in any creative I mean, it's project. Like, it's, it's also like you know a lot of like media is like a reflection of our current day, and so right. You know, you're you're talking about like sort of like a, a post 9-11 Star Trek show, which was like you know kind of like you know um, TNG, DS9, and Voyager, and then right. like and then post you know which is you know sort of like enterprise was mm-hmm. basically the first one made oh and yeah and got super militaristic <laughs> in enterprise yeah, which makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just and then like and then but that was like at the beginning and then like now we're just like fully in the you know post 9-11 world you know we have whole entire generations of people growing up in sort of like this you know in this new environment that is completely alien to how you know, like a lot of originally star trek was so it's right like, and so yeah, I mean, just kind of see it. It's like a kind of just reflection of the time and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I see that. And you know, storytelling does reflect like current values and current things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Although you know, the the way they did a lot of the things, I thought were mm, not the greatest way to do them, or not the greatest way to convey a message. Or if they were trying to convey that message, I think the message was wrong. Yeah, like you know, torturing people. Yeah, you know. Also, I feel <laughs> like I think if like I think this season, I think I. Because, like, I feel like the mandatory, like, 10-episode, um, you know, minimum that they have for these shows, yeah. I think sometimes acts as a disservice to the story. Yeah. Where, like, you have, like, you know, you have something that could have really been, like, a really tight, really good 
Straight, like like movie movie straight up or, I, like, I, or I, a couple of movies yeah just like i honestly think there was one or two amazing tng films in here oh yeah like and, i think it could have been an awesome like you know and straight up like if, like five hours total five or six hours right and just good. seeing the last episode in uh you know um for sake of clarity uh the last episode is the only one that terry both wrote and directed yeah and, and, so, it, and it was like I th- it was really strong. I was surprised. It was very strong. I, I got teary at a couple points. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was good. Like no, he he tugged the heartstrings in this one better, and it wasn't cheap. It felt especially like at the very end that mm-hmm. actually felt very earned. Oh I yeah, thought. the end. Yeah, I was surprised. I was I I think you know in the last episode I voiced concern of how they were going to wrap everything up. Oh we 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 oh I mean we <laughs> we voiced many concerns. And you know I was I, I'd I was say, pretty satisfied. I'd say we were probably not probably we were. Over concerned. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm willing to admit when uh, you know my fault. I'm willing to critique my critique yeah. when it's wrong. And you know what? I was wrong last time. Yeah. The, it was the episode was rushed. I mm-hmm. felt like they rushed it to a point where they could not make a satisfying conclusion. Mm. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it came out pretty. It landed pretty well. I yeah. was surprised. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was more perfect than I thought it had any potential or right to be. Yeah. Which is, for me at least, high praise. <laughs> I mean, I could have used a few deaths. Yes, yeah, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. But uh, before that, just like you know, just just a little, just a little death is a treat. Right, right, right. But before that, uh, did you know we have ads? Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't want ads. Well, soldiers, for as little as two dollars a month, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/DumbIdiotPS, and not only get ad-free episodes, but you also get them in high-quality stereo, and you get them the moment I'm done making them. You also get access to a private patrons Discord channel. Say what? Yeah, that's right, baby. Also, if you're super cool and pay us $5 a month or more, we mention your name and say thank you to people just like Dylan Lancey and Killia, Jonah Hearn, Shane Sawyer, Jordan Hale, Adam Zendel, Electric Baphomet, Emma Glavish, Nick Savard, David Craning, Zeitz, Cappies, and PJ Hale, our brand newest member. All of whom are cool as hell and deserve to be consensually choked out. <laughs> like the helpless little fuck that they are. Uh-oh. Not to death, just enough to come. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to go fucking you know, David Carradine level. I mean, maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's the way I really want to go out, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> There's worse ways to go. Yeah, I mean, I think he died with a smile on his face. Yeah, a smile on his pants at least. Yeah, I mean, he was he was you know he, yeah I, I think you know he went out on his own terms and I th- I I applaud that. Yep. <laughs> You know, the one thing that's a real shame is he did die while he was still in the closet. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah he died in that closet. Yep. R.I.P. Tell you. <laughs> anyway, uh, also, if you give us $10 or more a month, you get full access to my Plex server, The Media Dungeon, which has over 15,000 films and 700 shows updated daily with new stuff just like The Critic. Oh, I love the critic. Everyone loves the critic. That's the, that's, uh, the only DVDs I still own. Wild. I lo- like it was one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. Uh, if you want um, all of the DVDs of Strangers with Candy, I used to have those. I do still have them in my storage closet unit for some reason. Mm, I, I love that. It's show. so good. It's so good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Um, also have all of Dilbert, the cartoon. <laughs> Very funny stuff. Yeah. Also the head. Remember that cartoon from the mid nineties? Oh yeah. The, the superhero. Yeah. Something like that. I'll say, you know what movie I thought of the other day? Have you ever watched that movie head of the family? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where it's like a weird little creepy head thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, that he movie had. rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to say that's done by the same guy as They Live or something like that. I want to say. Um, I don't think so. No, that's, or, that was John Carpenter. Not They Wait. Not They Live. Maybe was it John Carpenter that did They Live? It was done by some guy who did some other like really ridiculous. Um, Let's see. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I also have pretty much just every cartoon for adults that time forgot. Ooh. Once again, that's patreon.com slash dumb idiot BS. That's dumb idiot BS, which stands for bullshit, but also stands for bastard son, which is not a coincidence. Let's see. What do we got? What do we got? Let's see, head of the family. All right, time's running out. Bad. Damn, 96? That's, that I feel it came out much later than that. <laughs> no, I think 96, right? Yeah, it just looked awful. Well, what else we got? We got oh, him. Charles Band. Oh, yeah, Charles Band. That's him. So Charles Band did fucking oh, everything. Oh, Puppet Master. No, he, he's, he's the guy who uh, owns uh, Full Moon Pictures. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So he's done all that shit. Yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. that's fascinating. No, Charles Band is a fucking legend. <laughs> fucking legend i have most of his films hmm. not all of them because a lot of them are difficult ass to find but yeah yeah now full moon features fucks everything anyway um yeah they did all like puppet master uh doll man those films mm-hmm. are awesome yeah, oh, yeah. Shit, yeah uh yep that's it that's that so Patrick, what the fuck did we watch this week? We've already told people like 20 times now. (laughs) Uh, We watched season three, Picard, episode 10, The Last Generation. Hell yeah. And you know what? I think think today we're going to retire the song. Aw. I don't think... I, I don't know if we're ever going to do the, the random episode thing again. And I don't think we need to, to address Picard season one. No, probably not. No. Thank God. I never want to watch it again. <laughs> so here it is for the very last time, folks. Let's get Picarded. back i will remember you will you remember me don't let your life pass you by don't let, don't let your mook pass you by <laughs> <laughs> now he's just a memory mm-hmm. yeah he'll probably come back in star trek legacy come 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 back I'll come back. Back shots. <laughs> um, so only if he did do a back shot, then there'd be no Jack Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he if we if he would use the waterfall like it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. nature's douche. Nature's douche. <laughs> nature's douche. <I> mean, <laughs> what are you talking about? You're pregnant. <laughs> you had sex under a waterfall. You didn't use the water douche. <laughs> You're supposed to wash that shit right out of you. It's just like the shower attachment, <laughs> but for a pussy. Um, so Picard, uh, episode 10 of season three, the last generation, mm-hmm. the very last episode of Picard. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, retire, retire the Picard show. 
Indeed. Not a moment too soon. <laughs> so this one, fuck, I keep on forgetting. This one aired on April 20th. Mm-hmm. Today. 2023. It's 420, baby. 420! <sighs> Hitler's birthday! <laughs> Enough of that. Um, so... Uh, this one was written by Terry Metalis and directed by, mm-hmm. by Terry. So, uh, my my new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about my best friend. <laughs> All right, you ready to jump right in? Let's go. An emergency transmission by Federation President Anton Chekhov, as played by the real Watcher Kronig, who um, yeah. apparently they added very last minute. Mm-hmm. He lives right next door to um, uh, Shaw, yeah. uh, fucking Todd Stashwick, mm-hmm. and. Like, you know, they wanted him in here this whole time, couldn't couldn't figure it out. And uh, so Terry Metalis just goes and knocks on Walter's door. And Walter's like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Which is fucking awesome. You know, I loved it. Yeah. It, kinda, was, it was a moment where I'm like, is that Walter fucking croning? Yeah. That's, that, if, if so, that's a fucking awesome get. I, I know. At first I thought it was Pavel Chekhov. <laughs> I, was like, how is, I was like, how is he still alive? It, it would make sense. I mean, he would be the like the oldest man on earth. But yeah. like, I mean, at the time. So of course, you know, given that we have like the oldest man on earth as our president right now. It would right. make sense. So, so, so <laughs> consider this is like 35, 40 years after the events of TNG, right? Mm-hmm. Bones is on the very first episode of TNG as a very old man. Yes. However, Bones was almost 50 when he started on the Enterprise mm-hmm. and Chekhov was like 20. He was, yeah. he was like one of the youngest members of the crew. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, it, he could be super fucking old. Yeah. That, that would make sense in context of like, you know, uh, encountered Farpoint and how, old bones was at that point i don't think we've really seen anyone as old as bones except there's that one fucking super old admiral on that one episode like there's no one as old there's no humans that go get as old as bones i don't know why bones was so old right why he kept hanging on like like, just let me die let's let me die god damn it yeah bones lived to i mean at that point he had to have been like 150 160 or something like that right that's unnatural. No, that's that's insane. <laughs> Whereas, I th- you know, like, fucking John Luke dies at 99 and mm-hmm. fucking, you know, fucking, um, I mean, technically, I guess, I guess Kirk lived a very long time if you count his years in the Nexus, yeah. but I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it was like he just got there. Yeah, yeah. I think he died in, like, it's probably, like, Even still, 60s. like, Shatner looks really good for being, like, a 90-something-year-old man. I'm pretty sure that dude is just completely full of botox at this point i mean he he, d- he did like the blue ocean thing right right which like i i, I couldn't see like patrick stewart surviving that <laughs> like, that's true like he, he's yeah he's so shatner's shatner's a still pretty hardy guy for me I mean, he's case. hardy yeah 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 he's uh-huh. very he's a very dense dude he probably just absorbed like the... that's true he is incredibly dense <laughs> yeah. i do not disagree with that in any way <laughs> and also you know good on him for not bringing back Shatner at all. Yeah, yeah. They're just yeah. like, yeah, let's uh, get Walter. Well, it does about- seem like he's like, uh, well, they're bringing Kirk back in the next. Uh, I saw he was like, in the in the next uh, Strange New Worlds trailer. Oh yeah, I mean the the guy who plays Kirk. Yeah, but like, not yeah. but not not Shatner. <laughs> not Shatner. No, no never, yeah, never yeah, Shatner. Yeah. And you know, I'm. You know, I'll, I'll give him a chance, but on the two episodes he's been on, I'm not a huge fan of the new Kirk. No, he, yeah, it he's kind of weird. Yeah, he's not nearly as well cast as anybody else on that show basically yeah. Like, it does, also, yeah it seems like they're also kind of teasing like he's gonna maybe have some sort of romance with um uh the the girl girl uh soon Noonie and soon 
Oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Lawn. Lawn, yeah. Interesting, because I, I do I wonder see, I what back, they're I doing with that character. Because remember, at the very end of the uh, the show, she like took off to go do something for her people or something. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Well, Uno went like uh, like like Uno got um, taken into custody. Well, yeah, yeah. But but, but then Lawn also like took off in the second to last yeah. episode or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. We'll see how they wrap that up. Uh, yeah. Like you know, uh, yeah. We'll we'll talk about it some other time. Yeah. Anyway, so um, as the uh, sorry. Uh, so Anton Chekhov, President Earth, warns any who hear not to approach Earth as the Borg have used a signal of unknown origin to assimilate the planet's youth and take control of Starfleet. As the USS Enterprise-D makes her way there, the crew listens in grim silence as the President warns of Earth's imminent fall and of their inability to stop the Borg signal and save their young people, but also reminds his listeners of what his father would say. Hope is never lost. There are always possibilities. Until then, however, he urges everyone listening to avoid Earth and Sector 001 in general. Um, and in the background, as the channel closes, his staff are urging him into an escape pod. Uh-oh. <laughs> so Worf reports that the fleet has taken attack formation against Earth and is now attacking Earth's space dock, which uh, is ostensibly Earth's entire planetary defenses, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, weird idea to put your all, all your eggs in that basket, but all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why wasn't the space dock part of like their sink thing? That's a very great question, actually, because there has to be transporters on the space dock. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess it was probably that would, that would kind of make sense too, because then like, um, yeah, because like, okay, well, because the, the changeling would have to know, like, well, yeah, we'll take that over, but and, and this. This will be like the last offense, so we should probably fuck that up too. Yeah, that's the first thing they should have fucked up, really. <laughs> yeah, and also, you like know, what I got? I got um, what made the, uh, the whole like their their whole fleet command, fleet formation thing mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of was um, Ender's Game. Interesting, like because you know, like the kids controlling, like because like it seems like like how are they putting faith in like seem seemingly maybe like one person controlling the entire fleet with like people and like the people actually on the ships have act no control like the fleet is can be in control so what why even have have people on the on the ship in the first place i mean because the, the people are actually controlling the ship hmm. but the, the, when it goes into fleet formation they lose all control of their ship and it's like for and like and it just is acts as in concert with everyone else so like it seems like well, there's a singular mind controlling them yeah, I mean, you know, you still need, like, defenses on the ship just in case someone tries to beam them and retake control yeah. and stuff, you know? You do need ground troops no matter yeah. what military action you're taking. Yeah. Without ground troops, you can't do fucking shit. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that, you know. There's just, like, little drones on there to, like, you know, attack. But they, they have drones, board drones. Yeah, yeah, yeah board you, drones. You, you yeah. got it. Yeah, okay, you got it. So you, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so, um, uh, Riker safes, uh, says that they're safe for now with the space dock uh, acting as planetary defenses, adding that the planetary shields would not stand up against the fleet before wondering where the Calvary was. Data reports that emergency transmissions from all Starfleet and civilian ships have gone silent. Apparently, we are the Calvary, he sums up. From his own experience, Picard knows the fleet is being controlled by the Borg Collective, a hive mind of a single voice, a voice that is somewhere nearby. Data scans and confirms via long-range sensors that there is a Borg vessel 
at Jupiter. Picard orders a course to intercept. Now, one thing I'm glad they didn't do here that they could have done here is uh, the rise of Skywalker. Mm. How Lando is like, oh, I'll be right back. I'm going to see if I can get any help. And like he's gone for like an hour and gets an entirely giant new rebel fleet <laughs> that they somehow didn't have in the previous film yeah. when they got completely crushed. And there's just like, I, I'm glad it wasn't like, Hey, the Klingons and the Romulans and all our friends are here to help us. I mean, they kind of did that in the in the in the Prodigy finale. They like, did, and like they got, and I was like, I kind of they I did, which of, is why I'm glad they didn't do it again. Yes, because <laughs> it can be done once. Yeah, as a finale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they did it again as a finale, it'd like, God damn it! <laughs> I mean, there is like a Star Wars sort of reference at the end of this episode. I feel. Like, I don't, probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah, a little <laughs> like, bit. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, it's it's, it's the Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the the passing a torch mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I was thinking, like, the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so, data reports uh, that emergency transmissions from all Starfleet civilian ships have gone silent. Apparently, we are the Calvary, he says. Uh, from his own experience, Picard knows the fleet is being controlled by the Borg Collective. A hive mind with a single voice. Oh, I already went through that. So arriving in Jupiter orbit, the Enterprise detects a massive Borg cube in the center of the Great Red Spot, the big storm. Mm-hmm. Is, all right. Whatever. I thought I was think I, I actually had that thought when we were when because I don't think we mentioned yet. Like mm-hmm. we saw this on IMAX. Yeah, we did. Oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so we went yesterday. I um. I scored his tickets to the uh, the, the IMAX showing. Of that was really fucking fun. That was awesome, and yeah. like, I mean, it sounds great. It looks great in IMAX. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's like like IMAX has so much detail. Mm-hmm. Like you see people in like the people act, human beings start to look unnatural and so, strange to you. So actually, there were some parts <laughs> I didn't think the transfer was great. the The last episode transfer was way better than the first episode mm-hmm. transfer. I think the first episode transfer might have just been in 4K, not exactly IMAX. Because mm. there was some stuff there where I was like, yeah, the video on here. It was pretty good detail, though. Like mm. it, got, it got better, I yeah. think. But, yeah. Um, and, and I did have that thought when we, because we, they re-showed the uh, ninth episode uh, mm-hmm. along with the tenth. And like and then like when I was re-watching, I'm like, I was like, wait a minute. I bet they're in fucking Jupiter, <laughs> I thought to myself, because I saw mm-hmm. like the, the, uh, the storm, you know, and the... Uh, the red mist. I was right, like, right, right. I was like, oh, I think that's where they must be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was but the IMAX theater's experience was pretty awesome. Yeah, it like, was pretty sick. Pretty sick. Yeah, pretty sick. Um, so arriving at Jupiter, uh, Enterprise detects a Borg cube there in the Great Red Spot. Beverly reports it is uh, broadcasting the collective and puts it on audio. Uh, Picard asked if she is able to find Jack amidst the cacophony of voices. She is eventually able to narrow it down, and Worf confirms that he was indeed the command signal being sent. Riker guesses the Borg are amplifying the signal from within the cube. Picard knows that the only way to save Starfleet and Earth and... The fate of the entire galaxy is to sever the connection, no matter the cost. Mm. We began over 35 years ago, and it ends tonight. <laughs> he orders Jordy to take them in. First off, it's always nighttime in space. You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean... Uh, yeah, no, uh, it's always nighttime in space. It's on our car... Sir- Carcadian? Is that what it's called? Sarcadian. Sarcadian rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> 
So the Borg-controlled fleet continues to fuck up space stocks shields, including the USS Titan A, uh, with Esmar in the center chair, taking the con. Sidney LaForge detects unauthorized movement on Deck 5, and the order is given to eliminate all unassimilated. And I think uh, we remember last episode, Deck 5 is where uh, Seven mm. and Shaw and Raffi were. Yep. So meanwhile... Shaw gave his... Uh... <laughs> Gives his, life. His heroic sacrifice. Indeed. So meanwhile, the unassimilated are able to hold their own, with Seven of Nine in the lead, making their way into a turbo lift to the bridge. From the opposite lift, Raffi leads another team just behind Sevens, and both exchange fire with the assimilated bridge crew, killing their friends. <laughs> uh, but those shot by the unassimilated are taken uh, by a transporter beam, which I actually loved this idea yeah this like because them just like i i expected them to just willy-nilly be like murking their own friends and crew oh absolutely but like the way that they did this and basically like they're just transporting away these people who are borg i was just like hey they found, found a, a way to make it so they're not just killing everyone who opposes them <laughs> just finally like, just like picard in uh first contact there's no saving him kill him now <laughs> Right, right. And, and even Seven of Nine has had growth since the last season where she was just no. shoving shoving a knife into a man's throat. I mean, she's grown <laughs> since this season, right? Yeah. I mean, Raffi's grown since this yeah. season. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, like, earlier in the season, they couldn't stop killing people. <laughs> they couldn't stop they killing They just people. wanted to kill people. Yeah. And, like, and I do wonder, like, who was in charge of those decisions? Who said yes? Mm -hmm. Like, who didn't say no? Yeah, like, like, like especially killing someone in the past. You have no idea how that affects the timeline. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was real fucked up. Especially, yeah, yeah, when they went went over to France in season two. <laughs> yeah. And are just murking these mercenaries mm. willy-nilly. I hope they're... Uh, they're uh, I hope kids. they don't have families that are going to hate, <laughs> yeah. hate anything. I or, or I hope their kids don't affect the timeline at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, they're, they're, they have any descendants that are... That are uh, high in Starfleet <laughs> command or anything. Or, you know, descendants that create the Borg. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the crew have linked their phasers to the transporter system, um, perfecting the portable beam me up, as Sevenly, Seven jokingly calls it, uh, to lock their assimilated crewmates into the transporter room, which is a pretty fucking awesome idea. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually surprised they haven't really done this before. Yeah. It could also be pretty fucked up to use it and just, like, transport them outside into space. That would be awesome. <laughs> on, let's be honest. That would be sick as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, if a villain did that, I'd be mm. like, that's sick. Yeah. Um, It'd be like um, Anton Sugar's, uh, little, like, um, uh, air thing that he used in No Country Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the, the pneumatic bolt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's, like, that's what they use to kill cattle. Yeah, just finding, like, a weird, fucked up way to use something that's, like... <laughs> God, that movie's so fucking good. It rocks. I've been I've been thinking about this. Like, is there a possible way to write a Star Trek that is anything like that or anything mm. like The Sopranos? Something that's entirely character based and based entirely around tension. Mm. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, probably like the like the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek that was never been made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, th that's one thing that Quentin Tarantino is incredibly good at mm -hmm. is building tension. And believable stakes. Yeah, and Michael Dorn said in the Q and A thing after the IMAX, he thing, did. He's a big fan of Tarantino. He said he's is one of his favorite directors. Yeah, yeah. I think he was probably like you know, wink, wink. You know, <laughs> <True>. cast me. <laughs> yeah. 
Pick me, Quentin. Pick me. <laughs> I would I would love that though, Michael Dorn. Like, cause you don't really see, barely see any of like the except for like, um, you know, like Patrick Stewart and uh, Brent Spiner and anything else. True, and also like, how do I put this? Um, fucking Worf is like a B movie character. Yeah, a hundred. The way he's utilized, the way he acts, everything about him is a funny B movie character. And also, yeah, and that and that's the thing. He's like all of the things Tarantino loves. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like violence, uh, samurai mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Yep. Like, yeah. Uh, no, like he's ninja. he's a B movie character, yeah. especially now that he's like this old wise dude or whatever. Mm-hmm. As he said, he's like the uh, fucking P- the, yeah, Pai Mei and fucking um, Kill, Kill Bill. Bill yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the guy with the fucking beard who was mm-hmm. always twisting it and shit. <laughs> that guy rocks so fucking hard. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, one instant protests that he was a cook who took lunar flight training, but never finished pro uh, because of pro uh, problems at home. I love that guy. He was my favorite character. Yeah, and Seven Slate. I named him uh, Neelix Jr. Oh, nice. <laughs> I don't know what his name was in the uh, show. Yeah, and Seven's like, all right, we need all the fucking help we can get. And you said, you're a pilot, which makes you our pilot. Mm-hmm. Take your station. <laughs> and he's like, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> which I actually, it was played really well, especially yeah, yeah. for just a very bit part. I kind of mm-hmm. hope we see more of this guy. Yeah, I want, I want more Neelix Jr. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, so... <clears throat> Um, Dr. Oak, who we saw in the, the beginning of the season, brings up the maintenance channel over communications. Oh, that's right. That was her. Yeah, yeah, the trill, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's actually at least two trills on the ship, come to think of it. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. You never see more than one trill at one place, really. Mm-hmm. Except on DS9. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Do- also, we didn't really remember really how many, like, at the beginning of the season, how many Orions we saw on this Yeah, show. right? I, I think they all got killed or so. <laughs> yeah, I guess they all got killed. Yeah. But they seemed like they were young Orions, so they could have been assimilated. They just ran out of, like, blue and green makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Dr. O uh, brings up the maintenance channel over communications where the unassimilated officers of the fleet uh, report being overrun. Seven urges her crew to find a way to get them out of fleet formation mode preferably before the collective realized they had retaken the ship at the Jupiter station. So the, that, so now the, the Titan a is like the only ship that has been reclaimed. Mm-hmm. The other ones all still information. So over at Jupiter, the enterprise approaches the Borg cube data scans indicate that it's only 36% operational and what power it did have was being used to broadcast the hive mind. Picard turns to Troy, who admits that she has never felt anything quite like this before. She calls it a quiet suffering. Uh, Data admits that he hates the Borg for all the suffering they had inflicted on so many. And for the fact, the Borg Queen hit it and quit it. <laughs> she never called me back. <laughs> <laughs> it's also your fault, John Luke. <laughs> Both of you! She made me come. <laughs> With my arm. With my arm. I felt wind on it and I came. <laughs> um, you have to imagine that's probably how it has to be for someone who has never if had the feeling of touch before and then like they can and just like. Straight up like that was the point of that scene yeah. in the film is like she gave him skin on his arm and blew on the hairs and he was like. Yeah, he positroned all over himself. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he yeah he he fucking he had a huge soon all in his pants. <laughs> she positron on my soon until <laughs> <laughs> until I noonian. <laughs> uh, yeah, she positronic on she, my noonian until I soon. She noonian on my positron until I soon. So 
she uh she beef for on my date until i lower <laughs> uh so troy is able to sense jack but he's totally consumed by the collective and uh i personally <laughs> it's weird that you're putting your finger all the way in your mouth after i said that i was like what oh i was scratching, you, my, I was scratching my throat <laughs> interesting i got something that can help with that <laughs> the back scratcher right there not my penis <laughs> just these damn seasonal allergies <laughs> my cat's penis has got a nice barb on it it's like my cat's dick <laughs> That's not till next episode. Until the my, cat, my cat's a girl, I can't have it. Get a get a cat strap on for her. <laughs> cat strap, cat strap fever. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Cat strap fever. Um. See, that's why you don't listen to anyone else's music. <laughs> you're just making you're just making these beautiful yeah. songs. <laughs> you, you know, Pat. You're not wrong. Yeah. Like literally, like I'll I'll see something and just like start singing a song about it in my head. Mm-hmm. God, <laughs> I need some help. Uh, so, Troy is able to sense Jack, but uh, t- he's totally consumed by the collective. Worf, Worf asks a question on everybody's mind: What if Jack is at the point of no return? But Picard and Beverly reject this idea, believing that he can still be saved. Just yeah, then, I mean, what what evidence does he have like, that someone could be beyond the point of no return? Considering like Jean Luc, it, it's brought- too late for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Jean- evidence, that yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. the evidence that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. No, he can't be unassimilated. Kill him now. <laughs> I mean, the entire first season dealt with the XBs. You know, people who people people have been unborged, and yeah. then, like, and of course. You know, Picard being one of the most famous unborged, uh-huh. and Seven of Nine being unborged. It's mm-hmm. like you know they can be unborged. So, no. <laughs> not you for him, not, not that guy. No, he's he's not important enough. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> Does he even have a name? Shoot him. <laughs> if your name starts with Ensign, you aren't real to me. <laughs> you aren't a person yet. You're under the age of twenty-five. Your brain hasn't developed. <laughs> Oh, non-commissioned? I think that means non-caring about you. Um, You're a 25-year abortion. (laughs) Jordy warns that the signal was so powerful, it was scrambling their sensors. The only way to find it would be to beam a Borg... A Borg? A A Borg Borg. the cube. The Borg cube. (laughs) (laughs) Beverly asks if there are any life signs, and Data brings the readings to the screen. She then has the computer narrow down the signals that mimic human brainwaves. She believes she can use those uh, readings to pinpoint Jack's location, recognizing that Picard intends to go down himself. Picard asks her to lead him to Jack, complimenting how she had brought him that far and asking her to let him bring their son home. Riker and Worf both volunteer to accompany Picard, because they're badass, right? Yeah, I mean, out of all of the elderly people, yeah, they're, that, pro- those, they're, they're probably the two strongest. And those two also <laughs> make the most sense to like have a hero's death also, I think. so. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So Data eagerly does so as well. But Picard needs to um, uh, needs his expertise on the ship. Oh, and also, mm-hmm. does Data still have his super strength as in the synth body? I don't think so, but I don't think it matters, really. Yeah, cause also, because I'm guessing Picard doesn't have super strength. No, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, he, he has super weakness. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like that's kind of like the trade-off, I guess, because like they, they do, they're t- t- completely synthetic, but also they're not like, 
like uh, like data was where you know being super resilient and super strong right i'm, I'm pretty sure like soon after he put picard in the body he's like by the way you're just as weak as you were <laughs> <Yeah>. before <laughs> And also, you can't get an erection just like before. <laughs> just let me die. Well, that, that's because I can't stop thinking about my mother. <laughs> just let me die, damn it. Yeah, it's like, what's what's the payoff here? <laughs> right? Poor Picard, dude. I, I, I want to die a long time ago. Then, yeah. they could, then they could at least name a ship after me. Come on. Yeah, man. exactly. I, yeah, I'd be, be remembered that way. Yeah. So, um, Beverly agrees with uh, Data staying on the ship. In Walsh, she wants nothing more than to tear the Borg limb from limb herself. They are all needed there. Riker shares a last silent look with Troy, who looks pained at what she senses. Picard leaves Geordi in command, and before entering the turbo lift, tells his old shipmates, it's been an Avna serving with you. And honestly, I got a little bit teary here. Mm -hmm. I was just like, is this, is this like his final goodbye? It could be his final I goodbye. I mean, I think that's what we were all assuming. Yeah, yeah. It, it, would, it would have been a fine final goodbye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Like, like all, all the, like we have, like, several final goodbyes, and, like, each one felt like payoff. It would be pretty good. It'd yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, I, I felt I like. fine if, the, yeah. if something had happened. Yeah, honestly, like, I, I didn't like Shaw's goodbye last episode. No. No, no. That, that was unfulfilling. But all of these, I, I was like. Because, like, Shaw's, like, the new fan favorite. and Yeah, because like, Shaw rocks. He barely had time time to run he, he just started walking yeah i mean even even when terry was very sure that i hated the series i was like hey man at least you gave a shaw and we will never forget that no, no <laughs> he's like shaw. oh okay <laughs> 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 he took that bone i gave it to him <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah great great character great character yeah we, we, we oh, love we, yeah. Lo we love we love uh like little little bitchy guys from from chicago <laughs> yeah sure i mean he, he's a fucking you know he I feel like so much like him, like mm -hmm. a guy who's obviously very smart, capable, good leader, but a fucking asshole dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> Hold, holds him back from doing anything great. Yeah. <laughs> totally fine with that. I get it. That's mm. me. <laughs> I'm fine. I have. I fucking have faults. Oh yeah, yeah I have that, lots of faults. Yeah, that's that's why I think you know, like you know, you know, we'll get to it. But like another emotional moment involving him, like I felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. That that moment that was a that was a good payoff. And that was a good I, payoff. No one was expect. I don't think anyone was expecting that scene. No. And that scene, I think, was the moment where I'm like. All right, Terry. <laughs> All right, you motherfucker. You son of a bitch. I actually called him a crazy son of a bitch. I, I, I said online, <laughs> I didn't think you could do it, but the crazy son of a bitch pulled it off. <laughs> and you know what? He liked that. He, oh, li he liked yeah. that comment. He knows he's a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, all said done. I think we both very much enjoyed this episode. We did, we did, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm eating a sizable portion of crow pie today. Yeah, but it's four twenty, so munchies be munchies, baby. <laughs> whatever crow pie, whatever it's gonna be, I'll eat. Yeah, whatever you put in front of me, baby, I'm just hungry. I got the munchies. Get some crow milk. <laughs> Give me some crow crow cake if you want, man. Crow cake, yeah. <laughs> Croquettes, mm. <laughs> mm, potato croquettes. Has <laughs> <laughs> so anyone ever tried eating a crow? You think probably people have. Are you kidding me? <laughs> people have tried to eat everything that's edible, man. Come on, yeah. I've tried to eat weirder things than crow, dude. <laughs> like, get out of here. <laughs> like, yeah, especially like, like urban birds. Yeah, mm. everyone's eating every kind of them. Mm. Uh, I've never tried a crow, but I will say I've tried pigeon before. Oh, Pigeon's really? actually pretty good. Hmm. Yeah. For some reason in, in France, they'll just let you, like, raise anything for meat. Hmm. I had both horse and pigeon in France. 
Weird. Yeah, I was, but I, I mean, I saw it on the menu. I'm like, hey, horse is cheaper than beef. Yeah, I'll <laughs> Might as well try a horse. And I'm like, eh, not, not, not great. It's fine. Mm. I imagine it's probably like a lot tougher than beef. Yes, yeah, much tougher. Because they're, they're, they're more muscular, athletic animals. Than it's it's much horsier. Mm. I mean, imagine what horse meat is like. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> even, even though you're vegan, I, I think you're going to be like, yeah, no. Not yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, Picard, Riker, Worf, beam aboard the cube, a Borg. God damn it. I can't stop saying it. <laughs> aboard the cube <laughs> where Riker wordly notes, uh, the lack of movement or even sound on the cube that size. So there should be thousands of drones walking around and doing shit. Mm. Worf notices his disappointment and not being outnumbered. And Riker admits, uh, he had never been in any too quiet situations that had ended with a pleasant surprise. This right here was such Star Trek writing. Yes. Like yeah. this, it felt like this, like this conversation was lifted directly out of an episode of TNG. I will say like all the mo character moments between all of the, you know, uh, TNG's characters, mm -hmm. completely on point. Completely on point. And honestly, like, uh, I thought Seven was very good. In oh, this seven, too. Yeah, Seven's excellent. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah like, uh, like, all, like, yeah, her, all of her, all of her stuff. Like, I felt like everyone's, writing was very very good in this episode mm -hmm. hell yeah um so uh picard says you don't leave the doors open if you want to keep the wolves out referencing the uh, uh 1991 rancid album uh, and out come the wolves <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah great album <laughs> <laughs> Um, they find a Borg drone dead in their regeneration alcove and worse tricorder skin indicates the necrotic tissue is being consumed. Now I actually really liked this idea. Mm. This was a cool idea. Basically like a Borg cube, like losing its power and needing to draw energy from mm. the life force of the drones, Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, cause the Borg treat, um, you know, it's drones like utility and it mm -hmm. treats them as expendable if it needs to be. And if a Borg cube is dying, of course, it's going to cannibalize itself yep. until there's nothing left. I do th did think there was a missed opportunity where we didn't get one of the semi cannibalized Borgs to come alive. That would have been cool, especially yeah, like, if it was like it came alive and they thought it was a threat, but then it just like seizures out because <laughs> yeah. it's like it's, it's all of its components. Like it starts coming after them and it's just like, it's and like then the it goes, <laughs> yeah, they're just like basically just skeletons with like the which, which was I mean, uh, whoever did the special effects on this one. Yeah, um, yeah, fucking great. I mean, you know, like not not quite Michael Westmore level because no. <laughs> the fucking goat you can't you can't do better I'm sorry I'm sorry mm -hmm. no matter what technology you have he was the first mm -hmm. so but th this really fucking good yeah uh, yeah really good makeup really good effects it was you know it gave you the general idea hey this is a big scary motherfucking board cube yeah which is yeah yeah, it gave it more of a haunted house vibe and more zombie vibe that, you know, because, like, you know, obviously the Borgs, there's lots of zombie comparisons with them. Definitely this, haunted house, yeah. Yeah, and this came across more as, like, you know, scary zombie haunted house type thing, mm -hmm. which which was pretty cool. I like that I got kind of feeling. It made sense that, like, yeah, like, Borg Queen can't assimilate anybody, you know. She's, like, they're all she's basically powerless, you know. Mm -hmm. They had the disease that you know wiped out like all the all the borg right and so i thought yeah this this episode definitely did a great job of taking a lot of 
disparate lore. I mean, it, it combined the lore of, you know, this episode alone, at least three, maybe four different, like, Star Trek franchises, mm -hmm. like, very specific events that happened with them and actually tied them all together. Yep. I'm like, hell yeah, fuck it, mm -hmm. great, good job. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Riker wonders what this uh, cannibalism could be sustaining, and Picard grimly wonders whom it could be sustaining. Whomst? Whomst among us is cannibalizing the Borg? <laughs> so, as they continue their sweep, uh, every drone they find seems to be dead, and the cube is essentially a tomb, which explains the lack of biosigns. Uh, and there was a great line here that I actually didn't write down, but yeah, there's something about like, it's like a giant tomb or something like, yeah, mm. it's pretty badass. Uh, so Picard points out that in the absence of one army, they simply raised another. Beverly reports from the ship that she has found Jack's biosigns in a chamber one level below him, which Picard recalls being near the Unimatrix array and below the transporter platform from when he was, uh, you know, the cutest. Mm -hmm. And Riker is like, how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> and uh, Beverly is like, uh, I think there's still a part of him kind of in here, which maybe, you know, wasn't a good idea to let him be captain of Starship. <laughs> yeah. uh, so <clears throat> and that's how Picard knows uh, it's now time to part ways with his friends. Mm -hmm. uh, is he can no longer be their captain, but now has to be a father to his son. Mm -hmm. I can no longer be your captain. I must be daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and Riker's like, I've been both. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm, are you talking about? I'm, I'm both right now. I'm literally. <laughs> I'm your captain and your those daddy. Those are the only two things I respond to anymore. You call me Will, I'm like, who? <laughs> call me daddy, motherfucker. <laughs> you two wharf, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> you only open it when my cock comes out. Um... So when Riker asks how he could know that, yeah, that, that, that bad. So um, Picard tells them to find the beacon and thanks Riker for his loyalty, which he says meant so much to him. And he's about to say something similar to Worf, but uh, Worf tells his old captain that there are two turns of phrase a Klingon never admits to knowing. Defeat and farewell. <laughs> now, the first one is actually true. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they fight to the death. They won't admit defeat. Mm. Second one, completely untrue. <laughs> one of my very favorite lines of all time is from uh, Once um, Once More Through the Breach, which is, you know, uh, mm -hmm. it ends with farewell, my old friend. Yes. When Kor is talking to Worf, mm -hmm. when he's kind of doing his final thing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a thing where he's going to accept defeat and like go out in a blaze of, a gl a blaze of glory. And it's, I mean, go watch the fucking episode right now. I'm pretty sure I have uh, recommended you watch, our listeners watch this episode like 20 times <laughs> on this podcast so far. I don't care. It's the best episode of Star Trek, hands down. Oh, yeah. I don't give a fuck <laughs> what you think. Yeah, I mean, Klingon <laughs> and Ferengi episodes are some of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, and this, that, that motherfucker is a Ronald D. Moore season seven Klingon episode mm. that specifically deals with Worf and the fallout of Jadzia's death. Mm -hmm. And also, it deals with, like, you know, growing old. Mm -hmm. Like, Kor is growing old, and he's kind of, like, getting dementia and stuff like that. And then, so he decides, like, my time as a warrior is done, mm -hmm. 
So I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory and save all of my friends in doing so. Yeah. And it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. I, I always kind of saw like, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously like there's a lot of like comparisons between like, you know, Vulcan, you know, Klingons and uh, Vikings, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like, you know, or samurai. Or samurai, but like, but specifically like, you know, like Vikings, like they believe they had to die in battle in order to go to Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, um, and so that's like sort of with like, you know, the Klingons, you know, it's still like, the core, yeah. they can't, you know, like, uh, and to be an old Klingon is like, you know, it's like kind of like a blessing, you know, so like they've lived a long life. They've been a successful, you know, in battle, but also like they're, they're the chances of dying honorably in battle and going to Stovacor are getting smaller and smaller. True. And true. so like, um, especially when they start to, you know, get dementia or something like mm-hmm. that, have some sort of like physical ailment where they can't. Cause like, I know, I think I, I heard, I don't, I'm not sure how true it is, but like read somewhere where it's like, you know, like the old Vikings, they would like put a knife in their hand or something and stab them. <laughs> Like when they they got too old or something, hmm. but like you know, it's kind of see that with Klingons. You know, they take the opportunity. It's like that's why I kind of assume like you know, Worf was going to like, no, he's he's getting up there in age too. Yeah, yeah, you know, and although, <clears throat> um, I don't know if they can kill Worf yet until they really address what's happened with Worf. <laughs> yeah. I I don't want him to die yet, just because they've uh, tried to fill in so much backstory of what happened between now or between DS nine and now. Yeah. And I'm still very confused and I need it cleared up because I just can't accept that he just like gave up his ambassadorship to, you know, the Federation and, and Kronos and like mm-hmm. decided to just go back to Starfleet yeah. because he still claims house of Martok mm-hmm. as like the primary thing in his life. Yeah. That's like how he introduces himself. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he's obviously, like, still in it with Martok. Yeah. And. I was I was holding hope for, like, a J.G. Hertzler uh, cameo in this episode at some point. So, one of the moments where I was like, okay, maybe I should give Terry a break. <laughs> I mentioned some characters that I would have liked to have seen. Mm-hmm. And his response was the response that he got was nobody wants all those old guys. <laughs> oh. So it breaks my heart. I mean this this, this episode I mean like this episode was like a lot of old guys, you know, we had Tuvok. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> but I mean they, they just wanted the old guys that they could prove had streaming numbers. That's true, yeah. And you know, if you looked at it like it, su- well, surprisingly they're not they're not de- they're not up, up there too high on the algorithm, like, you know. The, right. al- the algorithm says no. <laughs> and and one thing that like really surprises me is DS9 has lower streaming numbers across the board than Voyager. Hmm. Oh yeah, I think you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah so so the the most uh, streamed episodes of Star Trek ever are Endgame Part 1 and 2 from Voyager, hmm. last two episodes. Hmm. Uh, right after that, it's uh, Best of Both Worlds, mm-hmm. Part 1 and 2, and then Scorpion, Part 1 and 2. Hmm. So all... All the most watched Star Trek episodes are two-parters. That's interesting. Um, yeah, one from TNG, two from Voyager. Uh, DS9 doesn't even appear in the top ten. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That sucks. And so there's... People have no taste. <laughs> you know, someone... And I imagine it's got to be fucking like Al 
Lawrence Kurtzman or mm. other Paramount Plus executives who are a little more mm, removed from the creative process. I got to say, it was really funny last night during the Q&A session <laughs> when Alex Kurtzman came out first and the guy went, boo! Yeah, that was, that, was, that, was, that was really funny. Like people were booing. That was yeah, awesome. no, and just like no one talked about Alex Kurtzman. No. I don't know if you noticed. What can you ask him? No, exactly. Like, uh, like the interviewer asked him one question. No one from the audience asked him any questions. And no, nobody on the panel, except for Terry, once referenced yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Everybody on the panel referenced Terry like every question. I did see there. Terry was, seems like a I cool did, guy to work I for. Feel, I did feel like there was some side eye towards Alex Kirkman from Jerry Ryan when she was like, the writing on this season was so much better. Yes. <laughs> and, like, and kind of like looking at both of them, I was just like, mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, to be fair, Alex Kurtzman wasn't a showrunner or anything last no. season. He was just, you know, apparently it was Terry and Akiva Goldsman, but Terry, like, took off in the exact middle of the season because they got the go-ahead to do the third season in the middle of the second season. Wow, that's wild, yeah. And so part of me, too, wonders, like, how much of a budget they had to share and stuff like that, which is stuff I still need to discuss with him. Yeah, there, but, there's, there's some <laughs> funny budget moments, you know, right. like, I, I, there's a, there's one I want to talk about at the end I thought was really funny, mm-hmm. like. But, I mean, <laughs> so... We do want a few answers here, and I will say, it's something I didn't mention yet, and I don't know why. Terry invited himself onto the podcast. Mm. Like, literally said, like, you should have me on the podcast sometime. That'd be fun. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And <laughs> I, I, I didn't, like, set up anything with him, but he wants to be on the podcast. So he will be on here eventually. Cool. For sure. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk to him. We'll get maybe some answers. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that, you know, there's NDAs around or they yeah, might fuck like with he, his job if he's like, yeah, yeah my if, bosses fucking suck. Yeah. Like, they ruined it. Like, you, gotta, you gotta wonder how much, like, he can actually answer, not, yeah. ma- not make the money people mad. Right, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, t- talking with him is super interesting, though, because, you mm-hmm. know, you do that get that impression that there are things he wants to say and ideas he wants to express that for a variety of different reasons he can't yeah you know that, that I, I get that he's in a difficult position mm-hmm. having a lot of power and control mm-hmm. but at the same time there are still people with more power and more control so yeah unfortunately it's systems it's systems that i don't 100 percent understand that i'd like to someday so we'll see <laughs> um so where were we boop a doop a um so uh he tells Worf and Riker to find the beacon and thanks Riker for his loyalty. Uh, Klingon says they don't know defeat or farewell. That's wrong. As Riker and Worf leave, <laughs> Picard asks Beverly to lead him to their son. She warns that she can lead him to the next level, but the interference increases after that. As she is about to make an admission of her own, Picard assures her that she did everything right with Jack. As Picard proceeds alone, I mean he's not a Wesley, so thank that, God. That, that's automatically a, that uh, automatically a, a plus. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so as Picard proceeds alone into the cube, he finds Jack, who is now Vox, giving orders to the new collective, and uh, he. One thing I didn't love is he's like completely dressed up like a Borg and has the exact locutus eye laser thing already. Yeah, so like his, his, his gear kind of looked like he was like uh, like football gear. A little bit, yeah. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, it was like I, I kind of, I think, would have probably liked it more if he was still just regular Jack, but, you know, because 
you know, like everyone on the ship who is a human who they made into a Borg just like has all the black veins and stuff. Yeah, because they were they were they were assimilated through biological means. They're like a hundred percent biological. Right. And so like I feel like But since, why can't Jack be assimilated yeah. through the biological means because he has the same thing as his dad. Yeah, that's why I, I was kind and of... And he's also been thing. through a transporter as well. So yeah. he... Uh, you like know. he's basically, he's he's, he's a, a physical, a complete 100% physical embodiment of like Borg stuff. So exactly. He, like he doesn't necessarily need like the robotic adjustments. Right. And I, I could see how maybe they needed to, you know, tap into him to attach him to the beacon. Mm. But tapping into him to assimilate him, I thought was unnecessary, but whatever. Yeah, he just needs his cool-ass outfit. Yeah, I mean, the, the outfit was cool. It was just like, they could have done without it. It was fine. And also, I don't know if you noticed, mm. but his eyepiece was made out of, like, rubber or clay or something. <laughs> something that definitely wasn't metal or hard plastic like the original. Yeah. And it looked like... I mean, when he moved his face, you could see it just moving slightly and like bending, and it was just like, Ugh. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm gonna say it right now: his eyepiece, one of the worst props in the entire season. Yeah, I mean, it probably would have been better if like not seeing that in IMAX. <laughs> that was probably that too. Yeah, his eye thing in IMAX. Yeah, yeah it was. I, yeah, uh, yeah, it was like yeah, it doesn't look as good. I would have liked to have seen it in I minimum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, like you know, there's there's budget moment. There's budget stuff. Yeah, there's there's budgets. Yeah, we got budgets. We get that. So, yeah. um, I mean, I always thought like the Borg looked kind of goofy personally like i mean they they are but you know it was kind of a cost cutting measure in the first place they're like hey how do we make zombies out of just like gray and black makeup <laughs> and like fucking we've got like these old, some, old computers and a couple like hvac tubes yeah, i was about to say they probably saw some hvac guy throwing away some crap <laughs> and they're just like hey can we have that like i don't fucking care <laughs> take it Save me a trip to the dump. <laughs> <laughs> we are Borg. We will do your AC and heating. Forced air. <laughs> mm, do you feel that? That's the feeling of comfort that comes with an HVAC system. Amazing. We we love HVAC, don't we, folks? Yeah, we love it. It's one of the few fields that's almost entirely unionized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Randy, who we used to work with, is an HVAC dude now. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he works uh, near where I work. Quiet Randy? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice guy. Nice Quiet. guy. Nice. <laughs> um, eh, that makes more sense for him than line cook. Line cooks are l- loud, evil people. <laughs> He's always so, like, quiet and chill. We, we are both, we're both line cooks. Yeah, because we're loud and evil. <laughs> we're loud and evil. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> um... um so, um, assimilated into the collective, they would exist in a universe with, uh, no. Okay. So where are we? Uh, Jack declares that the worlds of the Federation, that their biological and technological distinctiveness would contribute to the whole, that their cultures would evolve to serve the future and peace and prosperity would spread throughout the galaxy. Like these cheeks, uh, <laughs> assimilated into the collective, <laughs> they would exist in a universe without fear or loss unbroken and perfect unlock my ass uh picard tries to reach out to him 
give him the reach around, saying he was there to take him home. But then laughter begins to echo in the chamber. <laughs> Why am I doing that? He looks up to see the boar queen <laughs> held up by the wall behind Jack. One thing I love about like some shows is like, you know, when like a character enters like a, a vast uh, like open area. Oh, and, and then they and just start echoing everywhere. Oh, or no, they're looking around because it happened with Jack too when he entered the room in the last episode, like the mm -hmm. interior room. Like it's completely open. They're looking around and they don't see like a, a giant thing that's right in front of yes. them. Yes. So neither of them saw the boar queen, and she's like this like weird monster just hanging there. Like. <laughs> so so I will say the boar queen looks fucking sick. It does look sick. Like this is all fucked up and gross. like straight up fucking fucked up. It's like and it makes sense. Like yeah. after Janeway fucking plagued the Borg and left fucking did a fucking war crime on him <laughs> for the last episode. Like um like yeah, yeah, they would they would all get fucked up and mm -hmm. the Borg queen might be the only one surviving, which I wasn't terribly sure about cuz in uh, episode 9 when Jack walks into the Borg cube, you do see several Borg like in their stasis chambers and stuff. So mm -hmm. I was pretty sure that the Borg were still like fairly active, but I'm glad that Terry made the decision to make the Borg like basically on their last legs. And this yes. is their, their last ditch effort. That makes sense to me, given yes. the context of Voyager. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But also one thing I would kind of like explained a little more mm -hmm. is the Borg cube and prodigy. Oh, because yeah. Prodigy happens directly between the events of Voyager and this. Mm. And there was that one Borg cube, at least, that seemed to be in perfect working order, what, seven years after the events of Endgame? Something like that? Mm. So, I don't know. Um, in that, there are certain continuity things that definitely clash with Prodigy that makes me wonder if, like, I don't know, any of the people that write the adult shows even watch prodigy <laughs> which they really should because it's better than theirs for them for the entire part oh yeah in my opinion prodigy is the best star trek show happening right now yeah the I, more i think about it it's a better first season than strange new world straight up straight yeah. up i i like it's it's a very enjoyable show and i do like how they did fold in a lot of like references very naturally they did like they they made a star trek show i oh, god i don't know i don't know how they fucking did it because Mm -hmm. They made a very complex Star Trek show, but they made it like really simple too. Oh yeah, I, the writing is just masterclass. I will say that the writing on on Prodigy, in my opinion, is probably the best writing on any of the Star Treks right now. Mm -hmm. Which is why, in my opinion, it's the best Star Trek. Yeah. It's a kid's show. I fucking don't get it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It doesn't have any right to be. Um. So. Assimilated into the collective, uh, the new planets of the Federation would exist in a universe without fear or loss, unbroken and perfect. Picard tries to reach out to Jack, saying uh, he's there to take him home. But then there's laughter, looks up to see the Borg Queen, who's in the wall behind him, looks fucking cool as hell, all melted and shit. Mm -hmm. She tells Picard that Jack is home, as is he. She says, at last, Locutus has returned <laughs> to his true family, to his collective, to me. <laughs> She's very Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. Yeah. Very, very much wicked. so. I, which I'm fine with. Classic yeah. villain. 
fucking take it out yeah there. and of course yeah that definitely alice krieg's voice mm-hmm. which was glad to see alice krieg back would have been cooler if it was alice cooper though oh that would have been sick feed my frankenstein or alice cooper's just in the in the borg cube <laughs> just hanging he's yeah. just a borg he's <laughs> <laughs> talking about uh native american history like in wayne's world <laughs> that's seriously like the funniest funniest scene it's amazing like I, you know like Alice Cooper is definitely just like a bro. He's yeah. he's obviously like a funny bro. I did like how people said like that's how he is in real life. No, hundred percent. I've heard nothing but good things about Alice Cooper. He's just kind of an old dork who likes golfing a lot, which is like good for him. Like fucking I like he invented he invented shock rock, mm-hmm. and now he's just an old golf dad. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like why not? Cool. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Um. So Picard, uh, now where we are. So aboard the Titan, as the battle rages around them, for the battle for Earth, the unassimilated crew have detected the Enterprise near the Borg cube on Jupiter. Seven realizes what Picard's plan is, using an older ship that was not controlled like the rest of the fleet, and wonders how they might be able to do the same. Raffi sees the signal as being propagated uh, by line of sight, which means if they can't see the Titan, they can't control it. And Seven knows they have a way to be unseen, which is like, really? Is the Borg cube running on off like Bluetooth? Like, <laughs> what kind of dog shit technology is this where your signal only works with line of sight? Yeah. Like, that, that's one thing where I'm like, all right, someone heard this on like a Bluetooth commercial and thought it was like real techie. <laughs> when it's really like, wait, what? What? Why wouldn't they? I mean, literally, radio signal is not line of sight. Yeah, they could have used a radio signal to better effect than this. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, well, it's so it's so. Does that mean like the rotation of the planets could take them out of it? Correct. Like, so it's a, which which in that <laughs> case just, it makes just so much less sense, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so like, yeah, they just had to wait until like Jupiter was not completely in line with uh, Earth, and then like it would have been. Right, right. Like, just wait for a Ju- for Jupiter to rotate, and then like it's no- the eye of the storm is no longer facing Earth. Right, right. <laughs> Raffi's like uh, seven, Captain Seven. What are your orders? And she's like, wait for Jupiter to get more stupider. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, I was amazed. They just didn't like, decide to make like a giant blanket, put it over top. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean. Like, wouldn't like shields work? I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so um, they all put blindfolds on. <laughs> uh, they they just find a, a planetary wall and just like sneak behind and peek out. <laughs> or like, yeah, like the Enterprise D. They just make a giant eye patch and put it. <laughs> can't see us. No! <laughs> they just paint the ship to look like John Cena. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go? <laughs> I can't see anything. <laughs> so, um, seven orders tactical to upload every prefix code they had for the entire fleet and to scramble their shields, saying that they can't fire while cloaked, so they would have to be very fast. The cook slash pilot, uh, Neelix Jr. Yeah, Neelix Jr. protests at the idea of one ship against the entire fleet. Seven tells her crew she was not asking them to give their lives for nothing but to fight for what is below on earth for their families and for their children 
She says, the Borg have taken their crew and killed Captain Shaw. And in this moment, we are all that is left of Starfleet. And you know what? This speech rocked. This was 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 a fucking Picard speech delivered incredibly well by Jerry Ryan. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, I'm like, all right, Starfleet legacy. (laughs) I... I'm on board now. Fine, yeah. fine, fine. I like I like Jerry Ryan as an actress. She's been she has been consistently good as an actress in Picard, even though her writing, especially on season two, was a weird pile of. Shit. I did not like her in season two. <laughs> no, she was like, "Hey, we can't fuck up the timeline," and then she immediately like breaks a cop's window and fucking <laughs> yeah. busts Rios out of an ice bus along with a bunch of other like immigrants, and mm-hmm. then fucking kills a bunch of mercenaries. <laughs> like, all of these things are bad. <laughs> Um, it's like, uh, I wonder if this will have adverse effects on the timeline. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, it's like none of those things do anything. And then she, like, you know, flicks a mosquito off her arm and suddenly they're living in, like, a fascist future. What? Yeah. What? what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> How'd that change shit? <laughs> oh, it's raining donuts again. Yeah, it was like, it's the, uh, the mosquito that gave, like, the next Hitler malaria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, she orders tactical to up. Uh, we already got that. So Picard. Um, mu- so uh, last thing, Raffi reports the cloaking, cloaking devices online, and Seven gives the order to bring up weapons. Back on the board cube, Picard is in the main chamber with Jack, who is now Vox. And the Borg Queen, who's melting still. And Picard <laughs> demands to know what the Queen has done to Jack. The queen smugly replies that she could do nothing. She has only her words and the soft assurances of a mother's love. Bitch, you have like, you connected him to a bunch of like cords and stuff. You got a lot of stuff going on here. What are you talking about? Your words and soft assurances. What are these cables that are hooked up to Jack? What the fuck are you talking about? Um, yeah, he has he has he has like football armor now. Yeah, right. And <laughs> and so Picard says, "You are not his mother." Um, <laughs> as he fires his phaser at the queen, who is protected by a shield, obviously. The queen goes on to say uh, that there had. I did like her witch cackle and. Oh like, yeah, yeah. He starts firing. She's like, <laughs> "You can't get me, little man." Um, so, um, you're not his mother. Uh, the qu- I am your mother. <laughs> you, Shut it, the fuck up. Have had that no! <laughs> no! I am your mother. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so the queen goes on to say there'd been no collective until recently, just herself and unimaginable loneliness that she and Jack shared. Picard accuses her of worming her way into his head, but she retorts that Jack found her at the very edge of space, where she had been abandoned to die of starvation and age. As the cries of her children died out, she heard another voice, louder and clearer, Jack's. Picard demands she release Jack and take him instead, but the queen refuses. The future of the Borg does not lie in assimilation, but in evolution. And so I actually really like this scene. This cleared up the problems I had, a lot of the problems I had with um, with the last episode mm-hmm. and kind of how they set it up. 
because I assumed because, you know, when Jack walked in, we did see some Borg drones. So I assumed there was still kind of a collective. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, it doesn't really need to be a collective because if there's a collective, why are they taking over Starfleet instead of assimilating them with the collective? Yeah. And so I'm like, OK, so that that clears that up. It actually makes sense of the end of Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. I like that, too. Uh, and it also makes more sense out of why were the Borg and the Changelings planning this like 25 years ago? Yeah. Because it, ma- it now makes sense because instead of like them planning this, the Borg Queen in the middle of nowhere just suddenly heard Jack. They had like some kind of psychic connection, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's space magic. Star Trek's not supposed to be space magic, according to uh, idiots. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got, we got fucking, it, it was a... Uh, God, uh, what was the name of that guy on on Party Down? There's that one episode where he corners fucking George Takei in the bathroom, and he won't stop talking to him about the mind meld and how it's like magic and it shouldn't be in Star Trek. Are you talking about? Uh, I can't remember that episode, but but it was it um what's his face's character, the kid from Freaks, Freaks and Geeks? Yes, yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin. Uh, Martin. Oh, uh, what is his name? I know he's so good. I like yeah. him in everything. He's right. in uh, he's in uh, Tulsa King. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that guy's great. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, nerds like that. Yes. Fucking idiots. <laughs> like us. Like us. Sigh. Sigh. Cry. Sigh. Cry. Jerk off. So, Riker and Worf make their way through the cube to find the beacon. And Worf is able to locate a central access terminal. Riker expresses the hope that the Borg have been too busy dying to upgrade their codex. God damn it. <laughs> Wrong use of the word! Um, as, <laughs> as Worf communicates with the Enterprise, one of the dead drones awakens. As Riker finds the broadcast emitter, another follows suit. Meanwhile, on Earth, the Titan weaves its way through the assimilated fleet, decloaking... Firing, firing and recloaking to avoid being retaken by the fleet automation, attempting to buy Picard and his crew some time to stop the Borg. Mm-hmm. This was a really cool effect. I really like this. This yeah. is yeah, this is fun. This is good Star Trek action right here. Um, Picard con- uh, back on the Borg cube. Picard condemns the Queen as insane in the membrane consuming what little collective she has left the queen replies that she did so only for this moment in time so that picard could stand as witness he asks what it is he is a witness to and she replies do you see, do you see? she replies you're witness to a great great becoming sorry it's okay <laughs> <laughs> she replies your future's end Pretty cool line. I liked it. Yeah. She had made the deal with Vatic and her rogue changelings to be her weapons because they too understood the pain of losing a generation to Starfleet. Pretty, mm. pre- pretty good explanation with a single line, I'll say. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. It's just like, okay, well, you guys have, you know, completely wiped out my species. Yeah. And <laughs> I will say, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, e- eating the crow pie here again. This was a well-written episode. Like, yeah. as far as being able to explain difficult concepts that I didn't like with single lines, mm-hmm. this this episode did a lot of that. And honestly, you know, I've been writing a lot lately, and 
that's what good writing is. Mm -hmm. It's being able to take an entire paragraph that is overwordy and explain something, but in a way that's not concise mm -hmm. and making it a sentence. Yes. And making it a sentence that sounds fucking cool. <laughs> and that's good writing. So, you know what, Terry? Fuck it. You, you, you won. Fuck you. You, the, you won, you son of a this bitch. This is the end of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're going to kill ourselves now. Yes, thank God. <laughs> Goodbye, Patrick. I know you, you promised me. Now you find soy, 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 soy. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> so, um, together, uh, the Borg Queen says, she and Vatic weaponized Picard's biology, rewriting the Borg machine code into genetic code. This was kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> this, this doesn't actually make any sense. And I still have problems with the whole like changing the DNA mm -hmm. or, or changing the quote unquote genetic code. But then like a moment later they say, oh yeah, it's DNA. But you notice changes in DNA. Yes. <laughs> like DNA is more complicated basically than any computer code you could come up with. <laughs> like, it, it's, uh, they they could have done this better. Feel like Terry, definitely not a tech guy. That's okay. He did a pretty good job of, of most of this stuff. But god damn it, Terry, you need to learn what a fucking codec is. <laughs> I will explain it to you. Mm. I will take the time. Uh, <laughs> it could have been, yeah, just like relying on like techno babble never really makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that I mean, yes, but also no. Yeah. <laughs> like that's another thing too, is like good techno babble uses concepts that could be applied to the concept you're thinking about, but mm -hmm. obviously the technology is so far beyond us, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, as I said, I've been writing lately and like, honestly, researching Technobabble takes a long time mm -hmm. because you first have to go and look at the Technobabble they've used before on Star Trek series to mm -hmm. explain how things happen oh, yeah. and see if that's been covered at all. So you just reuse that phrase. Or if you're covering something entirely new and need to come up with entirely new concepts to do, mm -hmm. well, you know, yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Picard condemns the queen and I uh, already got that boop, 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 a doop. So um, together, uh, so they no longer had to consume materials to continue, the Borg Queen says, but can now reproduce through biology, propagating a new collective with a single purpose, not to assimilate, but to Annihilate. Hells yeah. Listen to Canadian thrash band Annihilator. <laughs> their, their seminal thrash album, Alice in Hell. <laughs> Such a dumbass name. Um, so back aboard the Titan, the assimilated crew managed to force their way out of the transporter room finally, while the drones activate aboard the cube and attack Worf and Riker. The cube begins opening fire on the Enterprise, and Geordi orders evasive maneuvers. Worf passes Riker his curleth, uh, and Riker like tries to pick it up, and he can. He's like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> so much heavier than I thought it would be. And this was the funniest line I, in all of Picard. I loved it. Like, it caught me by surprise. I guffawed. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> And I, I like it when they have demonstrations that, yeah, like... Worf is significantly stronger than a human being. Yeah, yeah. Worf is a fucking badass, and it's yeah. like this th this thing he's been wielding like it weighs nothing. Mm -hmm. Actually, weighs like a hundred pounds. Like. Yeah, yeah. A guy who's bigger than me cannot pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was pretty fun. So, um, 
Worf directs him to the hilt uh, where he has concealed a phaser. And, he, and <laughs> Riker's like, you've had this the entire time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, it was a very fun and funny scene. Yeah. Very, like, very good levity. Like, uh, yeah, like the comic scenes between him and Worf are excellent. Straight, straight up, Worf, uh, great comic relief in this episode yeah he just, was he, yeah. he was mostly just mostly comic relief and of course the murderer right right <laughs> i mean co- comic relief but not in like i don't know not in the soy way not yeah. in the oh this is happening thing it was yeah. more like well yeah that's a thing that wharf would say because wharf's fucking wharf you yeah. know yeah true to the character mm-hmm. uh very once again very tng writing mm-hmm. like it, it felt true to his character 35 years ago which is pretty fucking cool i'm sorry 30 two years ago 35 years ago sucked that first season's fucking sucked a day uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> um on the enterprise and uh, no, no, no. so the titan continues its hit and run attacks narrowly missing being hit by a photon torpedo raffi warns the fleet was using predictive algorithms to find them and the pilot warns it's working the fleet is redeploying assets to pursue them over on the enterprise Jordy warns um crusher beverly crusher that he doesn't have time to work on the weapons so she would have to fire them manually the doctor proves to be more than up to the task however inflicting considerable damage on uh the board cube and everyone looks at her like wait what which which was pretty funny like that was another moment everyone just like looks at her (laughs) and she's just like fucking tearing shit up it's rad yeah like i did like it's like oh yeah i mean it was a good show, like how she's changed the yeah. last twenty years. Since well, and that's and that's what she says. Like everyone looks at her and she shrugs and she's like, "A lot has happened in the past twenty years." <laughs> yeah. And then it just cuts away, and I'm like, "Beautiful, honestly, yeah." yeah it's like short, concise, clever. Mm-hmm. Doesn't spend too long on a joke. Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, good. And you know, um, yeah, we. We don't talk much about the humor, especially on the the non-humorous Star Trek programs. Yeah, you know, we mostly do humorous critiques on, um, you know, like lower decks and stuff because those are the ones actually trying to land jokes. Yeah, and in as much like lower decks is really coming to its own in figuring out what jokes they should be making and landing them. Yes, and like in the third season, they did a fucking bang up job. You know, Picard has never really had good humor mm-hmm. at all. Really, nothing I can think of really at all. But this humor, I mean, th- this episode, full of great one-liners, just full yeah. of them. Green. Yeah, yeah, like it was, it was like there, it was genuinely funny when it needed to be. Yeah, for sure. So, um, on the Enterprise, Jordy uh, warns Beverly. Um, and, yeah. Um, no, sorry, I already got that. So we. Uh, back on the Borg cube, uh, Riker wonders why Worf never used the hidden phaser the whole time, and Worf replies that swords are more fun. And he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong at all, baby. Uh, so Riker tells the Enterprise that they should have the schematics for the beacon about now. Troy examines the schematics <clears throat> and is able to de- detect the location, which is the good news. The bad news, Data adds, is that it is in the heart of the cube itself, the beacon. Uh, Jordy believes it to be impossible to reach, not even for a pilot like his daughter, Sydney. She crashes shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> she would crash right into that. <laughs> She's not a good pilot. We've determined that. Um, Data, however, has other ideas and takes the ship in. <clears throat> when the others protest, he pleads with them to trust him. And while he agrees, it is almost statistically impossible. He says that his gut tells him he can do it. Jordy 
is skeptical, but finally agrees to go with Data's gut, and Data takes them in, weaving through the structure of the Borg cube, exactly like the Millennium Falcon and <laughs> Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all Literally I was the same. <laughs> was, that's all I was thinking about, like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's all I was thinking about, too. I'm like, oh, so we're doing Return then. <laughs> uh, all right, why that's not? An, I mean, at least we don't have Ewoks. Okay, keep yeah. going, keep going, King. Keep going, go <laughs> off, King, go off. Go off, go off. Um, so Troy wonders uh, why she can suddenly sense enjoyment. <laughs> as if in answer, Data has an almost aesthetic look on his face as he navigates through the cube. He's just like grinning ear to ear. It's it's really cute. Yeah. I like it. That's cute. It's a good moment. It's And that's the thing. This all feels so much like movie moments. It does. And I got this. It definitely feels more cinematic than Nemesis. A hundred percent. I feel like <laughs> the last three or maybe four episodes could have been made into an awesome Trek movie. Oh, absolutely. Especially like this, this last episode is incredibly tight. If they would have taken episodes eight and nine and basically cut out, I don't know, at least half of both of them and put together all the good parts, mm-hmm. this would have worked altogether um and really like more than anything i feel like there are two solid fucking star trek films in here oh absolutely. there's a great film about vatic and there's a great film about the end here with the Borg cube and stuff yeah and, it, uh, it could have been a good like yeah two-part movie like right. have, have like and and then that's like after the death of vatic that's when it teases the true villain and right then we right go to the next film exactly and honestly that would have been awesome yeah. if if literally they were like, all right, we've got a, uh, you know, a two-night event here, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be the story. Amanda Plummer is our villain. And and they put that up. And, you know, like, people watch it, and they're like, hey, that was, that was pretty good. But I think it would have been amazing if they would have said that mm-hmm. and not revealed anything about the Borg or anything like that. And at the end of the movie, done, like, an after credit sequence or something and been like, oh, yeah, by the way, next week, movie part two comes out <laughs> that would have been next level marketing next I think. level you know this 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 was fine what they did with it fine uh you know could have could have been better altogether but yeah more than anything this laps last episode kicked ass so yeah i i've i've been turned around not fully i'm not gonna go ahead and say this like makes the rest of picard as a series a 10 out of 10 it only really fixes you know, season three. Yeah, it only season fixed, two still sucks. It only fixes one problem, <laughs> right? I mean, <clears throat> although the end of season two is kind of retconned at the end of this episode, which I also enjoy. Yes, <laughs> so, I love that myself. Yeah. I was just like, good. Yeah, I was like, sense. thank you for making sense finally. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Riker and uh, <sighs> um, so Riker and Worf make their way through the cube to find the beacon and Worf is able to locate a central access terminal. Riker expresses hope that the Borg have been too busy dying to, uh, we already went through that, didn't we? Sorry. Um, so aboard the Titan, the assimilated crew, no, wow, damn. I don't know where I went. Jesus Christ. So, uh, space dock finally falls to the relentless assault by the Borg and Earth's planetary defense shields collapse fully. The fleet redeploys to target all of Earth's major population centers. Uh, so I actually <laughs> looked at you after this, and I don't think you got what I was putting down. Mm-hmm. Every single city they mentioned was in Europe or the United States. Was it? Yeah. 
they, they didn't mention a single African or Asian city at all. It did look, uh, mm, I have to watch that again. Yeah, yeah, it was like New York, Paris, Madrid, Seattle was London, San Francisco, Seattle. And I'm like, you are naming the whitest cities in the world. What the <laughs> fuck are we doing here? Did literally nowhere else develop in the last 300 fucking years? What's going on? Um, yeah, I, I yeah that was that that took me out of it for just a second. I'm like, yeah, there's a little western center going on. Um, <clears throat> like, yeah, especially for making like an anti-colonialist statement mm-hmm. with the Borg here. Like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe make an anti-colonial statement with your you know choose choosing cities or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Silly. So, um, as Seven orders another strafe run, the ship violently shudders. Sydney and Alondra LaForge, as Borg, have destroyed the Titan's cloak, which will allow the Collective to retake control of the ship. Picard tries to reach out to Jack, who directs the fleet to fire on Sector 001. In desperation, Picard begins ripping out the cables, connecting him to the cube. The Queen warns that this will kill him. Severing the link would sentence his mind to insurmountable, unsurvivable shock. And the only way Jack himself could leave is if he chooses to. The Titan is now neutralized, and the fleet targets all of Earth's major cities. Hopefully, they take... What city should go first, do you think? Dallas, Texas? Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. <laughs> that or London, either one. Mm. Dallas, Texas, baby. Nashville is where. Um, um, Nashville is the only nice part of Tennessee. Are you kidding me? It is true, but it is where. Um, what's his face? Um, um, uh, you die in there. Kid, Kid Rock has his restaurant. So what? Kid Rock <laughs> and he doesn't go there. He owns a restaurant there. That's true. Kid Rock. He's been he's been Kid, dead for the last 400 years. You're right. Kid Rock and Ted Nugent live up in Detroit. Why not there? Oh yeah, we could hang out in Detroit. Actually, there's a good reason why not there. I uh, you know, uh <laughs> it's, it's uh not white enough to be destroyed. Yeah. I'll, put, I'll put it that way. <laughs> we should only destroy the majority white cities. Uh, <laughs> so Picard continues. We already got that. So, as Riker and Worf uh, catch up to him, Picard takes a cable and jabs it into his neck, connecting him to the collective. Inside, he finds Jack. And this is the only scene I was like, eh. Uh, so, inside of the collective, Picard finds Jack, who says uh, he could hear so many voices welcoming him. All joyful, no loneliness or fear, just perfection. Picard tells him the euphoria isn't real, that perfection is not evolution, but in fact death. And I don't know what I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he knows what the fuck that means. No. Like this is this is something that's written and I think like not philosophized about. <laughs> what do you mean perfection is not evolution but death? Like if you perfect something, then it's over and it's no longer good or invalid? I'm I do not know what this means at all. I cannot mm. I cannot wrestle this around in my head to where it's a good point. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, and also I feel like that's like ant- antithetical to like kind of like what one of the points of this episode too is this like you know, you know, um, 
that there is no such thing as perfection, you know, especially what we see with data, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's an ever evolving. Right, right. We strive for, for perfection. So it's not but, like, but it's like you never really get it. So right, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so perfection is not death. It is evolution, like mm -hmm. the striving per for perfection. So I don't know. So um, Picard says uh, he knows Jack has, had always been different, hungering for connection while trying to keep people away to keep them from seeing who he really was. Picard seems to know a lot about this guy for knowing him for like a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, He's like, I really know nothing about you. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just making some inferences here. Uh, you know, I am technically archaeologist. So, ah, yes. so, you know, this is a really modern cultural archaeology on my son, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> I, I don't think I will, Dad. Don't think I will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um... So uh, he says um, that Jack was always hungering for connection while trying to keep people away to keep them from seeing who he really was. Picard had been the same, having joined Starfleet to find a family he didn't have. And he found it and let them in his ass. <laughs> but there was always a barrier. He, too, thought there that something was wrong with him. And he waited, waiting in his vineyard to die alone but now he realized that jack he had a lot of people there he was hanging out with a lot of people literally the point of the last season is he wasn't lonely anymore because he got over his shit and fell in love with loris yeah all right well i, think, well, I mean like, wait i mean who who's loris who, i'm sorry no, who's loris yeah who's loris i don't know who loris is <laughs> i forgot i forgot that's, who loris that's is. really showing a is dementia totally forgot who loris is <laughs> <laughs> that would be an amazing plot twist if loris came back and he's like I, <laughs> I i i think i have a daughter who looks like you and she's like what you don't have any what are you talking about <laughs> you nut inside of me <laughs> he literally nut inside of me now, now he's forgetting who i am <laughs> i literally took your virginity old man <laughs> <laughs> that's true he's like he has a new body he's a virgin again yep bingo that's what yeah. i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. i mean he, he fucked once she made took, jack she took, she took both of his virginities <laughs> <laughs> I, give me that positronic asshole old man <laughs> <laughs> Um, so <laughs> do, you, do you think positronic assholes like wink like human assholes do you think do you think you can gape them the same yeah like how i'm seeing it is like the synth body is basically exactly the same as a human body so it's like noonie and suing in the lab no no it's not gaping right no start over start over you got it all wrong no um so uh, he says there had always been a barrier. He thought he too thought something was wrong with him, and he waited, waiting in his vineyard to die alone. But now he realized that Jack was the part of him he never knew was missing, except for a much bigger dick. <laughs> Jack insists that it was all written before his birth, that this was what he was meant to be, and this is where he belonged. It's pretty fucking selfish, Jack. Yeah. You're kind of killing humanity and dooming everyone you love here. So aboard the Enterprise, uh, Jordy knows that they're out of time and hopes their friends have some time left. He turns to Beverly, who nods and targets the beacon. He gives the order to fire, and the Enterprise destroys the beacon with a barrage of torpedoes and phaser fire. Riker turns to Worf and asks if it was good enough, and Worf agrees that it is a fine day to die with honor. And, you know, we just love 
any Klingon saying today's good day to die. I know, but stop edging me. Give him, give me the death. Yeah, yeah. Actually, let him die already. Damn it. <laughs> he said, he said that like five times right when he's about to die, especially in DS Nine. Yeah, all Worf like, wants to do is die straight up. <laughs> like all he wants, Riker even there, to kill him. Only two things he wants to do in life: not parent, mm-hmm. die. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> At no point when all these people are talking about, they're like, oh, Jack. Oh my God. He, Sydney, Sydney and Alondra. And then like, they look over at Worf. He's like, what? <laughs> you know? He's like, Alexander. He, he, he has literally <laughs> the exact opposite aims of what Picard is trying to do this season. Mm-hmm. Picard is trying to a live B, be a parent. <laughs> and, and Worf's like, what? <laughs> be be no. a what? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, my uh, my my brother Martok, he's more the dad type. <laughs> he kind of has Alexander. I don't care. <laughs> like I watched Sons and Daughters the other day, and mm-hmm. Martok, after knowing Alexander for like twenty minutes, is a far superior dad to Worf. It has ever been. It's amazing. All he had to do was look Alexander in the eye. Yeah. All, <laughs> all he had to do was like say his name and not say something resoundingly negative about him or his mother. Just refer to him as "Hey, you." Yes. Or the disappointing one. Or yeah, the crotch spawn. <laughs> the crotch spawn. <laughs> no. Um. So as Enterprise makes her escape, Data is attempting to lock on to the others. But the shockwave of the beacon's destruction is interfering with a transporter signal. Picard decides that if Jack will not leave, he will stay to the end with him, telling his son that he had changed his life and he embraces him. Once again, 10 days, old man. Let's not get too fucking caught up in this. Also, your son's like trying to end humanity. Are you really going to stick it out with him? Come on, man. So Picard decides that, uh, so um, as he relives all of his memories with his parents, Jack finally awakens and begins frantically tearing out the cables himself, including that connecting Picard to him. Riker speaks aloud, hoping Troy will hear him, assuring his Ismati that he loved her and would see her soon together with her son. And this is where the waterworks came. Mm. I, I could not cry at this. Like... Riker getting all emotional mm-hmm. with Troy. I was like, "Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you two tears, old man. <laughs> you deserve them." That's that's my new rap name, by the way. Two tears. Two tears. Two tears. Oh yeah, just like Crybaby, the movie Crybaby. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, just like um, no, I guess our patron has three tears now. So go to uh, patreoncom slash BS for all three tears. T i e r s. I got him! I got this motherfucker! You were looking at me like, why are you speaking the English language over here? I don't know how to spell either of those. I was waiting for the explanation. I'm like, hey, hey, this is how you spell both of them. You're like, oh, you're doing the spelling thing. I don't get it, but I I got you, bro. (laughs) I got you. I got you. No, are you using that language, that literacy? Come on, man. You know I don't do that. No, I'm adverse to that. Yeah, come on. Uh... As uh, Riker speaks in, so Troy, sensing Riker, realizes she knows exactly where they are and goes to the helm. The Boar Queen rages that Jack had been born there, and so he would die there. Jack retorts that the time of the Borg is over. The Queen reminds... Now is the time of the Orc! (laughs) (laughs) Um... 
So the queen reminds him that even if he survived, he would be changed, especially his diaper. It's like, you don't have a dick anymore, homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> they took it off so, and they so replaced it with something else. I cannibalize that. That's where all your energy is, man. That's where the, that's how we power they, they, the board. They, they, they take it off and put a radar dish there. <laughs> like, Just a deflector dish. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> he tries to have sex with a woman or just pushes her out of the window. It's like, all right, Sydney, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, just like, beep. <laughs> like rotating. Just a force field around. As, as, a little, as a little light, as a little light to deter like uh, flight uh, planes from running into. Oh it. yeah, like uh, like uh, electrical lines. <laughs> yeah, like, this is like a red beeping light on top. <laughs> beep, beep. So um, uh, the Jack retorts. Uh, so the Queen rages that Jack had been born there, and so he would die there. What do you mean he had been born there? <laughs> like he was. He was I guess they came up with his dna there like the dna that made him was conceived there yeah but i mean it was mostly picard's dna yeah and also what about crusher's dna like like uh the Borg queen is like the third yeah yeah she yeah she's there's a little bit of a throuple but yeah. yeah she's kind of the third wheel of the yeah, she put her she's, they, she's a unicorn she, right? she put her sperm in the cup too when they swished it around and oh yeah and then like before picard drank it and then took a turkey baster and put it up Picard's asshole. Crusher. Yeah. And then... Uh, no, they put, like, it, they put it in Picard's asshole and then he farted into her pussy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the that's, way babies That's are my made. head cannon. Don't get rid of it. <laughs> Don't do this to me. Save it for later. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Pour some gravy on it. Uh, so, Queen reminds Jack that even if he survives, he would be changed, broken, and alone. Looking to his father, Jack replies... That maybe he would be changed and broken, but he wouldn't be alone, baby. Mm. The Enterprise flies in overhead, and uh, it's actually a really cool scene. Really good effects here, like the whole. So I, I was kind of wondering, like, how tall are these ceilings? Enormous. Because I mean, like that must be so massive. It's impossible to heat. Which I mean, yeah. also you figure Borg cubes are heated to what? Like I think they said like. 85 degrees or something yeah. in, in prodigy or something mm -hmm. like that like they're super sticky and warm and shit yeah so but, like, but i did think that was funny because i was like okay well that ship's ginormous and it's just fly just there's enough space for it to fly above like with mm -hmm. with plenty of room to turn around and i mean we've already like, how large is this room <laughs> we've already determined that the fucking board cubes are fucking huge yeah mm -hmm. but it's, it's just weird that there was like that much space just completely open. I mean, how else are you going to do an exact repeat of Star Wars Return of the Jedi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it happens exactly like Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking Death Star, okay? It's a Death Star. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, the Enterprise flies in overhead and is able to beam Jack, Worf, and Riker to safety. But also Picard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tried to do a cliffhanger there. It didn't really work. No. Uh, the, the, the collective <laughs> orders its last directive to be carried out now that the command signal Jack has been destroyed. The queen screams at her defeat as the Borg cube is torn apart. The Enterprise able to escape just in time. That would have been sick to watch her like maybe do something really desperate and just start like separating herself all gross from like the, the connections like 
Yeah, yeah. Like, or, or, yeah, to... like different parts of her trying to like run yeah. away. That would be kind of cool, yeah. yeah. It would have been some cool, cool body horror to include because I love my body horror. Oh, we do love body horror for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean like, you know, the body horror on um, Star Trek First Contact fucking rocks. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like when they first uh, reveal the Borg Queen and like her spine is torn, and they mm-hmm. put her in the body. It's so good. Yeah. God, I want to fuck her so bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Both sections. <laughs> I'll fuck the spine hole. Yeah. <laughs> You just stay, you just, your head, head and shoulders just stay over there and watch. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) No, good. Good. (laughs) Don't, don't judge me. Say good. Say good. (laughs) Say good for daddy. Um, Aboard the Titan, the assimilated crew reaches the bridge, but just as the Borg, uh, the Borg cube is destroyed, the nanoprobes begin to fade. The crew looks around at one another in confusion. And Sydney, realizing she's pointing a phaser at Seven, begins to apologize and breaks down crying as Seven hugs her, assuring her it's over. And she puts the phaser to Seven's head. <laughs> Boom. Fake out. No, I'm kidding. That does, does not happen. Doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, that would be funny. Everyone's safe. Um, I don't know why they didn't use that. Like, you know, the Borg, you know, come on. Use, use, a little, use a little cunning, you know. It's like, how many how many species have you have you assimilated and you haven't, like, haven't like figured out you know the fake out you know it's like oh i'm not assimilated anymore i'm fine and then like be like gotcha Mm -hmm. it's like come on come on people get some tactics here indeed you know what i think we're going to use some tactics right now Mm -hmm. and uh to make some money and uh, throw you over to some uh, goods and services that uh sponsor our show I love that game so much, dude. It's so yeah, it's pretty good. It was so fucking hard. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you don't want to listen to that shit, skip forward 90 seconds starting right about new. And we're back. All Jack, right. do yeah. it again. Wheel spinning round and round. You go back. Jack, do it again. Listen to Steely Dan, baby. <laughs> Aboard the Enterprise, Jordy knows that they are out of time. And Hope... Hopes their friends have some time left. He turns to Beverly, who nods and targets the beacon. He gives the order. Oh, wow. We are way beyond that, aren't we? I think, right? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, how yeah. Did, how did I get that far back? <laughs> yeah. We, I think uh, the board queen had just blown up. Yes. Very true. Um, it's smoking too much of that reefer. Not enough of that reefer. <laughs> I, I only got to smoke a joint so far. I'm trying to smoke nine joints here, and I got one down. I'm I'm weak, man. I'm losing my edge. <laughs> losing my edge, except for you know when I masturbate and don't come. Not You're losing on that the edge, edge, baby. Of glory. And I'm also not losing the guitarist to you too. Oh, yeah. the edge. <laughs> so, um. Mm, Aboard the Enterprise, Picard emerges from the turbo lift together with Riker, Worf, and Jack, who has some of his Bork implants removed from him. He's got a big, like, red spot on his face where they were. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of looked like he just tore it off himself. Yeah, which is really interesting since, like, you know, Seven has never been able to remove hers. (laughs) But he's just like, man, rip. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be amazing if it just, like, took his eye with him. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I was like, I don't think he could just, like, tear it off because it looked Mm -hmm. like he tore it, probably just tore it off in the turbo lift. Yeah, or it fell off. I don't know. And I was just like, seems like it would be in there better than that. (laughs) You'd think. Yeah. 
But you know, so you just put it on with spirit gum. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. It was there was just you know a little little line of like uh, Elmer's glue around there. It was yeah. a hot glue gun to his face. That's why it's all I wonder red. if that was also like a budget saving thing where they're just like it, the 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 prosthetic itself just kept falling off, they're <laughs> and they're like, like, yeah, fuck it, yeah, fuck it. Here, I'll just draw an outline. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, took, we're good. He took it off in the turbo lift. All right, yeah, why not? it it, uh, it unborged, it uh, de-evolutionized. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't give a fuck. It's off. Okay. Yeah, you know, and like. The, and when we deal with the XPs, you know, it showed like how horrific the surgery is to remove. Right. All that's a parts. very, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. With the XPs before, it had always been like a fucking ordeal, like basically torture yeah. to make them XBs. But yeah, it, it, it made a point of that in season one. But not for Picard or his son. Nope. They're like, special boys. <laughs> Picard, special boys. Picard, I did like, they were like, well, Picard's got to do other episodes in this. So yeah, he's going to be normal. No. <laughs> and so is Jack. I will say this. Uh, we have been complaining about the special boyness of this yeah. series, and it it makes them even more special boys by the very end of this. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah, they keep really doubling down on special boys. Yeah, <clears throat> we have the special boys. Special boys. So, um, um, as Jack is reunited with his mother, Picard welcomes him aboard the Enterprise. The Enterprise and the Titan arrive in Earth orbit amidst the wreckage of the battle, and there's a lot of fucked up ships. Surprisingly, a lot. Yeah, there probably shouldn't like, be there, that many. Yeah, I was surprised how much debris there was of just yeah. like ships. Like, so how many people died? Never. I don't think it ever said actually. It didn't. I mean, we know at least one ship entirely was destroyed right mm -hmm. and then also the earth space dock yes and there had to have been thousands of people on the earth yeah, space thousands dock, of souls right extinguished yeah which makes me wonder like is is jack basically you know locutus 2.0 in that he like got ten thousand people killed for no real good reason yeah because <laughs> like i mean yeah like he, he, Bro, you didn't have to go there. No, he he just got angsty and went, and it's like it's mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of fucked up. Um, and maybe he, there should be some accountability for that. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know what they're supposed to do with that. But <clears throat> um, so the inter um, Beverly is promoted to admiral and named the head of Starfleet Medical and develops a transporter technique to purge the Borg code introduced by the changelings as well as more easily detect changeling infiltrators and then it shows like a changeling beaming aboard and them like discovering him and taking him mm. into custody that um, would have been helpful <laughs> yeah yeah maybe uh, the targets replaced by changelings are recovered alive uh, including Captain Tuvok who meets with his old friend Seven aboard the Titan A. Tuvok explains that in light of the recent events, the Enterprise veterans are receiving full pardons for hijacking the Titan with Seven's help. Eh. Uh, however, Seven's aid to them and her disobedience of her captain must be taken into account. Seven thinks about this and says that she thinks her instincts don't fall in line, and so she is electing to resign from Starfleet. I'm like, damn, girl. Sucks. <laughs> um, she rage quit Starfleet. Mm -hmm. However, Tuvok says, just wait a second, and uh, put something in front of her, and it's a hollow review from <laughs> none other than our beloved Captain Liam Shaw mm -hmm. uh, prior to the Titan setting course for the Wrighton system. In the review, he refers to Seven 
first he's like this is a review for first officer hansen or might i more accurately say seven of nine mm. which i thought tied up that whole thing a yeah. lot better than that because i mean mm -hmm. it shows that uh, especially because he did this before the events of the season like he always felt that that's like the kind of respect she should have deserved mm -hmm. but he was kind of he was very much going by the book yeah and referring to her exactly as what she signed up for starfleet as yeah. which makes sense like i mean people can complain as much as they want about this and being like oh well i mean xbs are uh, obviously a fucking gender no it's mm -hmm. not it's not the same thing like especially when you're dealing with like a guy's war trauma and stuff it gets so much more complicated than that and we we can't make that argument because it's if you're going to use that analogy it's a bad analogy you know it just doesn't work really but yeah i mean if anything it's like i mean also being a borg is forced upon you it's exactly yeah. it's it's being forced upon you and it was weaponized here mm -hmm. and a guy has deep trauma about it like how many how many dudes like with a lot of power or deeply traumatized by trans people mm -hmm. none yeah not not in a real way anyway like some yeah. of them will say they are because they're they're liars like matt walsh or yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's like oh just because women have penises i can't stop thinking about it maybe that's because you want to have sex with them you fucking weirdo i'm excited for his dms to be released because you know he was hacked recently uh I don't know if they actually got his DMs because I think mm -hmm. they would have released them by now. Yeah, they could be scanning through them, finding the juicy bits. Maybe. Who knows? Hopefully. I, I'm hoping they do. That would that'd make be, my day. That'd be they're very funny yes. for sure. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, so Shaw admits to being a relic of an older time that followed the book, which uh, he conceded is boring. Where seven is reckless unrelenting and doesn't give a damn about protocol or procedure however he says he also believes she's brave and she's loyal and thought that the book that she would write herself would be great and thinks maybe the rules she breaks were broken rules anyway mm. i like all that yeah. I, I like all that like yeah that's like someone talking about like how they follow a system that maybe shouldn't be followed and it's like someone recognizing systemic in inequalities and systemic mm -hmm. contradictions which is you know what i'm gonna say it. shaw's a fucking marxist <laughs> so, shaw's a marxist he just he he, fo he follows dialectic histocracy mm -hmm. like he he's a fucking marxist mm -hmm. yeah and i did like this scene because also it showed like because in the in the first episode it showed like her really underselling shaw to um picard and Riker, saying like uh, prepare to be underwhelmed and stuff mm -hmm. and yeah, like yeah. and like just saying like oh he's a bad captain mm -hmm. and all this other stuff and and really and she's kind of seeing like oh i misjudged oh Shaw, yeah absolutely everyone misjudged Shaw. <laughs> yeah. i don't know if you remember but you and me from episode number one <laughs> yeah. we fucking loved shaw yeah. People on the internet, you'll see like memes and shit about it. Like, mm. oh, we hated him in the first episode, but by the by the ninth episode, we loved him. I'm like, yeah, that's because you motherfuckers are idiots. <laughs> he was right from day one. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was. He was literally the best stand-in for dissatisfied Star Trek fans I've ever seen. Yeah. And like, like immediately, I think in like the first episode, I'm like, I feel like this guy is a stand-in for Mike from Red Letter Media, mm -hmm. like someone who is, you know, has valid criticisms about something. Mm -hmm and is sad to see a thing that they thought was 
an institution that they should follow mm-hmm. be destroyed. You know, yeah. and a lot of people feel that way about Star Trek. It's like an institution that people have loved, and they see a lot of the newer decisions in Trek to be a destruction of that institution, which mm-hmm. I understand the disappointment in that, mm-hmm. you know, but nothing can stay the same. Mm-hmm. And the ending here actually felt like Trek, which yeah. I like. So, yeah. yeah, and I did like how they initially introduced him, where it, they made him, you know, Eating, eating a fancy dinner and li- drinking fancy wine and listening to classical music so to set himself apart someone, from the others. Something that someone pointed out to me a while ago or uh, a couple weeks ago on Reddit that I actually didn't even think of and I had to go back and look. Shaw was eating his steak well done. Oh, shit. Which is an interesting idea. Wasn't it a blue steak or something? Yeah, I mean, it was a blue yeah. blue colored steak, but it was definitely like well made done. out of real meat and definitely yeah. cooked to well done, which is an interesting st- further statement on him that he like takes things very safe. Yeah, he likes classical music. He likes things by the book. He likes things in line. He doesn't want to take any risk on any raw meat mm-hmm. or anything like that, which is like an interesting decision that yeah. like I don't think anybody really noticed. Mm-hmm. And but, then when but, it was pointed out to me like that. Fits. Yeah, but I liked it because also it showed it was like trying to set him apart as this, if if he was like this completely unreasonable, like pretentious, mm-hmm. like douchebag that you know, and and that you and and then like it spent like the rest of the se- uh, season just like really just showing how how wrong that perception that initial perception of him was, and actually he's like a much better character than that, and, right? And, and like he was going to be like the stuffy the stuffy captain that was going to like um you know that they were gonna have to like get rid of so they could have their special boy adventures you know what mm. i'm terry metallis's shaw <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a fucking asshole <laughs> yeah this guy's an asshole no i'm not missing him every day actually we're a nice guy yeah, <laughs> yeah actually he's really nice dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome terry um so <laughs> Maybe that's why he took to me. I don't know. (laughs) I wrote this one. (laughs) So uh, Shaw on the review recommends that Seven be promoted to captain upon their return to port. And in this moment, guess what? A little bit of waterworks coming back. Yeah. Yeah. This one, the Riker moment, like, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and Jerry and Jerry Ryan was doing an excellent job. Here. Oh yeah, she she killed this. Like mm-hmm. yeah, full showing the full range of emotions. And I talked about this, I think, on the Discord like last week. Like there is a part of me that is a little bit sad uh, how Seven's character has grown, and she's not as I'd say you know autistic coded as she mm-hmm. was anymore. You know, one big thing is. Uh, like data now she uses contractions yeah, yeah she, she, does. she doesn't say out every single word and say like well it is going to be that way and yeah. stuff like that she'll be like it, it it's and i'm like god no <laughs> but um the way it makes sense though i mean it makes sense her being an ex-borg and like spending so much time around like people who have only ever been humans mm-hmm. and her growing more into you know for lack of a better word her humanity yeah so you know it all makes sense i like it and this I thought like really tied that all together better than any other moment that she's had so far in the series. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> like I wasn't crazy about her character in the first two seasons mm-hmm. and I feel this was a, did a far better job to service to her and her, you know, and her acting and everything else and mm-hmm. felt more in line with like the, the actual evolution of, of seven and, you know, instead of like the, Gunslinging, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 
person just, that she was. Just the murder bot she was yeah, last just, season. Yeah, just, just straight up murking people yeah, left and yeah. right and mm-hmm. shooting an ex-girlfriend point blank range. It's like, damn, okay. And all, yeah, the second, second <laughs> season, like shoving a, shoving a knife in a man's throat. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, come on, y'all. <laughs> Chill. Chill. <laughs> Chill, Yeah, and I did like how, um, you know, when retaking the bridge, like, you know, and I actually did like that about Shaw's character. He's like, you know, he did scream out, you know, stun only. Yeah. Because yeah. he does not want, he didn't want to kill anybody. Right. And, which and, is awesome. And, and of course, also like, you know, Seven was able to also retake the bridge. Zero bloodshed. Right. Which is like, I mean, a big criticism we've had about pretty much every single episode of the season <laughs> is like, Worf's like, I'm a pacifist now. And then he proceeds to like behead 30 people behind their back. I'm still, I'm still curious where the pacifism comes in. <laughs> I mean, all, all it really was, he did not become a pacifist. He just became more Zen. Yeah. He just read fucking Sun Tzu. Yeah. And it's like, well, now I think about war intellectually. <laughs> Now when I kill someone, I think about their family. I'm I, like, what are you doing? Here? Now I feel bad when I behead someone. <laughs> it is not like a Klingon to feel bad. So I think we did say, like, yeah, he's probably killed more people this season than he did in the entirety of TNG and DS9. Easily. <laughs> like, Unless you count, like, the people he killed, like, controlling the Defiant. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, hand-to-hand combat, definitely. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, he killed more people in a single scene than he hurt in the entirety of TNG. Yeah. Like, motherfucker went blue barrel mode on everybody. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, so Seven is stunned to tears by the revelation about Shaw before Tuvok gently denies Captain Seven's resignation. Mm. This is just a good, powerful moment. Can you really deny someone's resignation? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you can't quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a you're prison. here forever this is a prison sentence bitch <laughs> well, you can't quit you can never leave <laughs> you've actually never left seven you've <laughs> always been here <laughs> <laughs> she sees herself in the photo you were always here um, <laughs> you never left um God, it would be amazing if they went to Hangar Bay 12 and it was just like an old woman who gets out of the bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Come play with us, Seven. It's a fucking guy in a bear costume blowing Riker and he's like, close the fucking door. My wife's going to see Are you an apparition too? No, close the damn door. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you ever heard of fucking furries? Leave me alone. God damn. So, uh, Rafi is listening to a message from her ex-husband, Jay Wong, who is impressed with what he has heard about her part and what happened, and says their son Gabriel is still in awe, and both were eager to see her again, and she is in tears upon seeing the face of her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. I don't love this part. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, you, you have redemption because you did, like, a big heroic thing, not because, like, you're human and you deserve it or anything <laughs> like that. And yeah, this one, um, I guess Terry uh, said in the interview that he really wanted to come back to, uh, like, Rafi's family story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they needed it. <laughs> It was, it was it was like a relic from like season one that no one cared about at all. I don't think. Yeah, I, I guess they they probably had to finish it since they put it out there. But I, like, they shouldn't have put it out there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's, it's good that they got that behind. I guess. Uh, like, yeah. it's like seeing like you know, 
she's moving on. Yeah, this was just like the only part in the last like twenty minutes or whatever that I was like, Ugh. and I just like turned my brain off because <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't need this. You know, black woman is a drug addict in a fucking utopia plot line. I'm just like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> at least she gets to see, but she only got to see a picture of her of her granddaughter. Like, that'd be amazing you know, if she died in the meantime. <laughs> she, yeah. she was killed by an assimilated person. No. <laughs> nah, yeah, we needed we needed uh, we needed her needed her to like hug the kid. I think that would have been a good moment. Yeah, but you know, time and money. Yeah, time and money. Yep. Uh, which is why maybe they should just shouldn't have thrown that in there in the first place. Because like <laughs> they spent a grand total. They never do something. Yeah, I mean they they spent a grand total though of like what like maybe five or ten minutes on episode three I think about this mm. and then resolved it here. So like yeah. all told, yeah, it wasn't mentioned at all. You barely barely yeah. see Raffi and from that moment on. Yeah, like after after like the initial like twenty four plot line is. Basically, yeah, after, uh, I think, episode six, like, Raffi and Worf kind of take off for a couple episodes, mm -hmm. and also it doesn't pay atten any attention to Captain Shaw until he dies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, the, yeah, the, the narrative structure and everything. There was a lot going on. There was, and the narrative structure and the storytelling was a little bit, mm, I don't know, just the pacing wasn't great in my opinion uh up until this episode and then mm -hmm. the pacing was very spot on so yeah it was a very tight episode mm -hmm. good yeah i was much tighter than i was expecting yeah absolutely like you know um it's like uh you know when you have sex with a cat <laughs> it's just like so tight and you're like wow mm. <laughs> <laughs> what uh at that moment bump 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 home improvement we'll be right back <laughs> oh no i killed winston <laughs> <laughs> so uh at that moment wharf entered uh now so yeah uh gabriel says that they're still in awe of what Raffi did and she tears up upon seeing the face of her granddaughter in a picture at that moment Worf enters saying he has been told that tears were a body's weapon against pain <laughs> I kind of like that that's 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 cute you know that's actually true yeah it's a, and like, it's a very like fucking Klingon thing to say yeah um uh, and then he says uh having never wept myself <laughs> Yeah. Which, which was, was a great follow-up to was that excellent. line. Oh, and I think we forgot to mention, like, uh, I think one of my favorite moments, of Worf, one of my favorite Worf moments of this episode is, like, after they blow up the Borg cube, how um, uh, Worf, he finally sits down and he passes out. That's oh yeah oh yeah well yeah yeah um yeah yeah he they come back to the Enterprise D and he just like sits down and starts snoring <laughs> yeah which I feel is like the only reference to the fact that they're all fucking old yes because like they're, they're, they're besides they are, the I've never been so happy to see so many wrinkles yeah yeah and it's like uh, well uh, seeing all the gray hairs around here I think it's consuming the young sir but, but yeah otherwise this these roles could have been played by twenty year olds yeah. and you wouldn't have, wouldn't have been written different and mm -hmm. there's there really is no like mention of their age or like the hindrance that comes with with with, with aging and here it's like i feel this is like you know what a lot of dads do they sit down in a chair in a comfortable like, chair and pass out it'd be so amazing if like right in the middle of like the 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 borg like room and him trying to like 
get Jack away from the machine. He's like, oh, I really need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you do you have a rest? Do you have a uh, a rest pub, a men's room around here anywhere? Any, anywhere, please, please, very fast, very fast. I'm. Oh god, this actually oh god. isn't a question. I need you to just point it out to me right now. <laughs> uh, do do you do you care about your flooring? That's what I'm. Do you care about your flooring? <laughs> <laughs> or like when he swings like he swings his like uh mock left like he goes like oh jesus oh, okay 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 uh the fa uh, is the phaser it is the phaser it is <laughs> he's just, and he spends the rest of the time crawling through the board cube tra trapped with his arm up like he can't, he can't put it down because it's because he's because he's stuck and he's just like uh uh oh uh, ow ow it'd be cooler instead of uh crawling through <laughs> the board cube he was uh <laughs> in my skin or also in like he's like oh in the hilt okay there's the phaser and the and also in the hilt there's like oh a tube of bin gay yes the tube of bin gay <laughs> tiger <laughs> just, just lather it right on that shoulder okay oh my god oh. <laughs> <laughs> instead of a mat left he just has one of those uh, pressure point things like i, <laughs> oh, I have yeah. the, the back massagers like i have right there yeah i fucking yeah. love that thing dude yeah he's just like oh okay that uh, oh god god yeah and, and just gets stabbed in the throat <laughs> um so uh wharf says that he hopes raffi's tears are happy so it appeared that every newscast had shown Raffi's face as well as all of her classified Valor commendations. Worf, with a knowing look in his eye, thinks whoever leaked the information was an honorable maverick. <laughs> which was a great line. I really enjoyed it. It was, yeah. it was Worf being coy. Worf's never coy, but mm -hmm. when he is, it's very fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and Raffi adds that it seems like they're a dear friend as well. Aww. This is a really nice moment. I like it. So yeah. uh, Worf ha hopes that she will find happiness with her family. And Raffi hopes that he will continue to be a warrior for peace. It's weird that she didn't say the same thing. Maybe because he didn't mention he has one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, you have fun with your son, too. Why, what? <laughs> Alexander, don't say that name. <laughs> Why do you think I'm here? <laughs> I don't want to go back. <laughs> he does. He does stumble upon Alexander, like walking down the aisle, and he's like, "Oh!" And then, like Alexander's like, "Father!" And he's just like, writes a note, like, "I have taken a vow of silence." <laughs> <laughs> just hides his face and walks away quickly. That's, that's part. Of, that's part of my tr of, of my of my Zen Zen training. I have, mm. I've now taken his vow of silence, starting now. <laughs> uh, okay, Dad. I was hoping we could talk. He's like, <laughs> so in the next scene, Troy is sitting with data alone, knowing how he could be overwhelmed by emotion, given how traumatic his experiences were life, death, self-realization data admits wow. that the transition has been difficult and finding balance is challenging. Troy remarks that they had gone over their time uh, by an hour again. <laughs> And while her pad shows a list of places to possibly take a beach vacation, uh, looking particularly at Kafar Prime. Mm. Meanwhile, Data goes on to avoid um, the trials of finding his humanity. He sometimes seems joyful, other times melancholy, some anxiety and ease, and some anger. Being human, he concedes, is just as difficult as the desire to be human, as well as infinitely more complex than he imagined. I really like this for data. This is yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, 
he realizes that he's rambling on and apologizes, asking if they would meet the same time tomorrow. Can't wait, Troy replies <laughs> in a voice that's trembling, and I don't think she means it. Just quiet, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Just, uh, um, as they approach the door, uh, approach the door. Riker arrives, asking how Date is feeling, addressing Riker's commander, um, being that that's the last rank that he called him. He, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He replies that he's okay. After Data leaves, Riker jokingly asks if he's still batshit, <laughs> which is really fun. I really like it. Like, it's just fun. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> now we get a title saying one year later. Picard, Riker, and Jordy stand on the bridge of the Enterprise D. Lara still isn't anywhere to be found, and she won't be. Don't ask. <laughs> you don't, yeah, don't ask. There never was a Lars. Don't ask. There, there's never was a Lars. Don't come. Don't come. Don't come. Um, <laughs> there's like a skeleton of where she was waiting for Picard. Right? <laughs> She's just still in the bar there waiting for him with the drink in her hand. <laughs> just uh, turning into dust. <laughs> um... So the Enterprise D is now given a place of honor at the Fleet Museum. Picard muses that if there was ever evidence that the past mattered, it was right here. Jordy wonders how many times he has managed to save the universe, and Riker thinks it would be more than a few years would allow the three old men to remember. You know what I just realized? What's that? With, like, the discovery timeline, you know, all the dilithium exploded, like, that definitely, Enterprise D is definitely, like, destroyed in the future. Yeah. Yeah, along yeah. with all those other fun ships. Yeah, all of them are dead. Yeah. They could rebuild them, maybe. But I don't yeah. Know. I mean, it's just sad. Since all the holes are holograms in the future, they can rebuild anything the fuck they want. <laughs> yeah. <I guess. laughs> so, um, <clears throat> uh, Jordy thinks on what they might have been like without the Enterprise, and Riker believes that they would certainly have been different, but not better. After a moment of reflection, Jordy has the computer initiate the shutdown sequence. And guess what we hear? Magell motherfucking Barrett yeah. as the computer voice. Mm-hmm. Once again, credit where credit's due. All right, Terry. All right. Still, still not super mad about you putting your wife in there as the <laughs> other computer voices, but you threw a bone. Credit where credit's due. Yeah, I guess she's yeah she's gonna be working pretty hard. Yeah, especially with the next series, probably still be the computer voice. I hope I I hope they bring Magell Barrett back, but yeah. that's just me. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, uh, Picard tells Jordy to take care of her, talking about the Enterprise D, and Jordy agrees. After all, he says, she had taken care of them. Aw. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know what they say. You know what Bone says. Treat her like a lady, and she'll always bring you home. <laughs> so, at the rebuilt Earth space dock... Picard and Beverly pilot a shuttle inside, while Jack, now commissioned uh, as an ensign, paces behind them. I do take a little bit issue with this. Like, Mm -hmm. once again, do you really want to put the person who almost ended the universe in your army? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think it's a great idea. Uh, I have a theory. Yeah. Like, I just think, like, uh, it definitely seems like they, you know, what he mentions, like, you know, got pushed through. Wait, what got pushed through? Uh, what's his face? Uh, Jack Crusher. Oh yeah, yeah. Like in and like you know, I'm pretty sure like the like Starfleet has other plans for him that we're going to see in the next series. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they might have clandestine plans for him, but, you know, he's got a much bigger story, I think, than whatever Starfleet's going to do with him, I yeah. think, given what we see at the very end. But we'll talk about that. It's true. So, um, Jack insists he's not nervous to be serving, but Beverly points out he's pacing nervously. Picard recalls doing the same before his first assignment, saying he had walked a light year in a circle before beaming aboard. Beverly notes the unusual step of the accelerated officer's track, and Jack thinks it's nepotism, which was a funny line. Actually. Yeah. That was, that was pretty good. They just threw that right in there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, awesome. So after all, the family name meant something. Picard, however, assures him the names mean nothing. Yeah, easy for you to say privileged asshole. <laughs> Uh, and he says it's all Jack's doing before expressing his pride in his son. He also mentions that Jack never mentioned where he was being posted, which they really should have told him. Like, <laughs> d don't you have to, like, go through school for that? And mm -hmm. I don't know. So uh, this is why Jack says he's so nervous, because uh, he says it's not for him. As the shuttle enters the bay, Picard sees the Titan. Only Jack says... It's not exactly the Titan anymore. Beverly apologizes for the subterfuge, um, knowing how much Picard disdained fanfare. As they approach, Picard is stunned to realize that the Titan has been rechristened in honor of Picard and his crew as the USS Enterprise NCC 1701G. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. <laughs> Just two Starfleet assholes going crazy. <laughs> Starfleet is the organization that pays me. Or it doesn't because money doesn't exist in the future. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Unfazed, so please don't try to phase me. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that works really that well works, for, that, for yeah, Star Trek. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfazed, so please don't try to phase me. How about that? Mm. So, names mean almost nothing, Jack tells him. Welcome to the Enterprise, Admiral. So, Jack steps onto the bridge and calls for the helm to set a course for the Metallus system. God damn it! <laughs> damn it! <laughs> and for tactical to fire all weapons. <laughs> um, as he sits himself in the captain's chair, Seven orders him out. He protests that it's so cozy, but Raffi... Now, first officer reinforces it, and uh, I actually talked to uh, talked to Terry about this, and he actually planned this from the beginning of the season. It's the reason he broke Se Seven and Raffi up. Makes sense. It does make sense, which like a lot of people were mad about, especially my lesbian friends on Twitter. I'm not <laughs> lying; they were all fucking pissed. Yeah, I mean that's like you know dream lesbian. Yeah, yeah, they're great. They're, yeah, like yeah, hot interracial lesbian couple. Who doesn't like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, it's, it makes sense in context. It is, it is, but it is like, yeah, you kind of wonder how like relationships truly work though. It's like, are they truly like, you know, frowned upon considering like all the different pairings that, you know, like of different ranks that have happened. It's just like, how do, how, who, who do people really police these relationships? <laughs> it's a very good point. Also, yeah. also, yeah, like with the whole nepotism thing, like, yeah, both of Jack's parents are admirals. Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> um, so Seven tells Sydney um, 
now a lieutenant, to ignore everything Jack just said. And Sydney replies she usually does. <laughs> Seven emphasizes that it was just a shakedown cruise. Uh, so they're just testing the ship out. Mm-hmm. Um, Raffi remarks on how Starfleet saw fit to give a thief, a pirate, and a spy their own ship, which I really liked. And I hope uh, they have an episode of Star Trek Legacy called A Thief, a Pirate, and a Spy. Yeah. Perfect. And his lover. And her lover. You know that movie? Yeah, I do. (laughs) A cook, a thief, and her lover. Uh, A thief, pirate, spy, tinker, tailor. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Jack agrees that they sound like a bunch of 'er ne'er-do-wells and rule breakers. What could possibly go wrong? Seven asked rhetorically. Uh, Mira, now not Borg, reports all engines online and deflector shields are prepped for warp. Jack asks where he's needed communications since he could speak 13 alien languages why do you need that you have universal translators idiot tactical since he knew the ins and outs of the universe's most nefarious characters i mean just the borg and like people you were dealing with on Mm -hmm. yeah not really um or perhaps the science station which is not a strong suit but he had been able to science his way out of some situations seven it's like no 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 (laughs) You sit right here next to me. You're the special counselor to the captain. <laughs> so he gets to be Deanna Troy, I guess. You, you, what I would have loved in this moment. <laughs> Can if, he still read minds or do that at all? Uh, I guess so. Maybe that's why he's... Can he? I don't know. No, unclear. Well, very unclear. But what I would have loved in this moment, if like a chair swivels around mm. and it's Neelix Jr., mm-hmm. newly newly promoted... Yep. And at helm mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he's went through went through uh the flight completed the flight training. Mm-hmm. He's not in that and uh he's just like, I hear they need a cook, and then he becomes the fucking cook slash morale officer. Like I think that would have been a good thing for him. Cause I guess cause as Seven knows, you know, as Neelix proved, Cook's not always just the cook, like he does so many other things. So I mean that would fit his time. Well, like well. statutory rape? <laughs> No. no, I mean, like, you know. What do you mean, no? Yes. <laughs> he most certainly did. That's not, that, well, he doesn't do that in an official capacity. <laughs> oh, Mr. Vulcan, it's not it's not technically statutory rape. You see, she's she's very mature for her age. Also, uh, it would have been it would have been funny, too, just to, like to make him cook anyway, because it's like, you know, he's like, well, I have all these skills. And, like, <laughs> but he's, like, he's a fucking ensign. Like, it, like no, you're a cook. <laughs> That would have been a good place to start. Why do you have cooks on a ship? Who knows? There's replicators. They need, you know, it's for, no, you don't. It's for fun. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what that guy was. He's a cook. He was a cook. Neelix Jr. was a cook. Yeah, why? I don't know. I mean, Neil, it made sense on, on Voyager because they needed it first to, yeah. uh, to you know, ration resources. Mm-hmm. And so they needed a cook. But, like, it doesn't make sense to have a cook on a 25th century ship you know sometimes home cooked food just tastes better than replicated okay <laughs> this isn't a home this is a starship <laughs> still though I, I think it would have been also just like knock him down a peg because yeah there is a lot of nepotism and I mean, stuff going around it'd and- be funny if they made him pilot the ship while cooking <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he just got a pan in one hand and he's hitting the pad with the other. He's like, I can't do both. Oh, I burned the fish. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're going to hit the planet and I burned the fish. He spills hot oil on his radar dick. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, 
He's he's the ship's counselor, I guess. Um, Esmar reports that they're cleared for warp. Rafi asks what the order would be. Engage? Make it so? Take her out? And so on. As a captain's first official act of command had a long history, Jack thinks of it as writing the opening line to one's legacy and wonders what it will be. And Captain Seven says, just kidding, it cuts to the next scene. Now she goes, to the windows, to the walls, to the bed trip, don't sweat trip down my balls. (laughs) That's what she says. Mm -hmm. Make the thing go. Yep. (laughs) What do you you think she's going to say? Proceed. Oh, Proceed is perfect. Proceed is perfect. Proceed is perfect for her. Proceed for seven of nine, for her trajectory, where she's come from, where she is now. That is proceed. I've been. I was thinking all day, and I couldn't come up with anything. That, that I, I got it. I've got been it. thinking about it since last night. <laughs> it's it. It can only be proceed in my mind. Actually, you know what? I'm I'm gonna message Terry right after this and be like, Seven says proceed. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you goddamn better. <laughs> Why are you sending me satellite photos of my house? <laughs> I, I I do know his address. <laughs> At first, I'm like, is this a mailing address or his home address? And I looked it up. And I'm like, goddamn, dude's got a nice house. <laughs> I'm gonna show up, Terry. <laughs> I'm gonna show up, Terry. <laughs> First mistake, ordering from our website. <laughs> Second mistake, ordering from our website. <laughs> um, putting a real address. Uh, so, uh, at 10 Forward Avenue, they had to squeeze, squeeze the fucking water out of this rock one last goddamn time. One zero Forward Avenue, gonna take you higher. Shut up. You're fired, Pat. You know what? I hated that more than anything on this season of Picard, all right? That was my least favorite part of the season. You you got it, dog. Shut up. So at 10 Ford Avenue, uh, the old crew of the Enterprise is gathered. Riker calls it the end of the road head. uh, And that they had closed the place down again. And as you pointed out, something I didn't notice the first time. I, 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 when I first saw it, it stuck with, it stuck with me so much. I, like, and, I've been thinking about it all day. I, so I've watched this episode last night, and I watched it today writing notes. Uh-huh. And I didn't notice it either time. <laughs> yeah. I think my brain was just like, that's not real. That's not real. That's not real. Don't pay attention to it. That's not real. That's so stupid. It can't be real. And I just like, I, I disregarded it. So Jordy says <laughs> that they should leave because Guinan has been giving them the side eye for the past half hour. (laughs) And then you know what it shows? Everything but Guy. It shows, doesn't show Whoopi Goldberg, doesn't show the other actress that played her last season, does not show Guinan at all. Yeah, she's just off frame. But you know what it does show? Hmm. Picard is the bartender. Yeah, Picard is. Where's Guinan? I think I think Guinan was just she at a like table by herself, just mad that they won't leave. Right, right. Just like <laughs> getting drunk by herself and just like throwing up yeah, through her nose. Reason, She's she so was drunk. Not involved with the rest and the merrymaking and partying. Right, right. And so I get you know time, money. You can't get Whoopi Goldberg back. Yeah. Take that line out. <laughs> take the line, yeah, take the line out. The, the, the line would like. It could have been like, oh, I, it's nice that Guinan let us like use this, use, use the bar on her day off. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Just something like, yeah, just like, oh, it's like nice that she let us come here after hours. Mm-hmm. 
Like, just, like not like. But in, that she's just instead, like sitting there, like, just off frame. We're like, oh hi, Guinan, and then it just doesn't show her at all. <laughs> like, what are you doing with that? That's a weird decision, man. So it would have been funny if they if it if they said like, oh, there's Guinan right there, and it just quickly cut to a clip of her from TNT. <laughs> very, uh, very no, 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 no. It, cu- it cuts to a clip of Whoopi Goldberg from The View. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there she is with Joy Bear and Barbara Streisand. Just her saying something mildly anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man amazing uh, but I, I love i love little stupid budget saving things like that. yeah That's yeah funny. and it was it was just something that like i just didn't notice because it doesn't make sense and then you pointed it out to me and you and know, i said it to you and you did you were like i didn't notice that i'm like did i imagine that yeah no and I, I thought you might have i like yeah i gave you the look like what and yeah. you're like what? Yeah, during <laughs> like, the break, I had to go and double double check to make we sure. We had to like, double check because yeah. we both thought you might be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hallucinating. We know yeah, you're crazy. Hallucinating. Uh, <laughs> your doctor has told us that as much, but um, so yeah, uh, he says Jordy or sorry, uh, Guinan has been giving them the side eye for the past half hour, to which Troy attributes to a certain someone draining the bar of all the blood wine. Hmm. And surprisingly, she is addressing Beverly. Beverly likes the blood wine. <laughs> uh, Beverly th- thinks that they should have some music, much to Worf's dismay. Worf, however, has a lecture on Mugato meditation to give the next morning, so he thinks he should go. Riker and Troy are also thinking about leaving, uh, planning a whirlwind vacation, but can't quite decide a destination. And Riker says they're stuck between Kaflar Prime or Orlando, which was a pretty pretty funny. I like. like do that. you think they're just going to be going on like like um, sex tourism type things? <laughs> because I was thinking about no, it, like, at this point there's like uh, there's an actual gay Disney that's just like a giant oh, yeah. Disney bathhouse <laughs> yeah oh shit that, that dick made me feel goofy <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I want to be crazy I said I want to be fucking goofy <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah, they're just going on, like, some weird sex trip. You know, why not? Yeah. Yeah. That would also have been funny, though, if it cut back to them a year later and she's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she's, like, six or seven years old. <laughs> Gee, Deanna, when I said I wanted to be inside Pluto, I wasn't talking about the planet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, Jordy calls Orlando or Kaflar Prime a tough choice. He calls for one final toast, to which Data prepares to give a rather humorous one before being talked down. Uh, and he's like, there once, it was like a man from Nantucket type thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah. Everyone's like, Data! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was going to tell, like, the filthy, like, watch him go into the aristocrats joke. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <sighs> I can see Brent Spiner doing a good aristocrats joke. Yeah. Um, there once was a man made by Soong <laughs> who had a dick so big it filled a room. <laughs> it got so hard, it hit Picard <laughs> and made a new kid in his womb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Thank you. I do, do them off the top, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a limerick freestyler. What's up? <laughs> 
Yeah, Sha- follow me if y'all want some nasty limericks. Traffic, traffic, looking for my chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> from, from the fucking Jamie Kennedy movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're welcome. Malibu's most wanted. Mm. There you go. <laughs> Which was actually the world's least wanted film. <laughs> yeah, it very very ironic. Career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, it was what, either that or Son of Mask. I what think. was his career? His career is wild to me. Like he was mm-hmm. he was he's the only comedian who had like a big moment in the sun, and I never knew a single person who liked him. Except me. I love Jamie Kennedy. I didn't experiment. know you when he was big <laughs> oh, though. That's true. And now that I know you like him, I don't want to know you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it kind of evens out. The last thing I know he's done for sure is, like, um, he was in, like, uh, a new Tremors movie. Oh, straight to, wow. Straight to yeah. Oh, no. They've been straight to video since the third one. He's, like, the son of Michael Gross or something. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's what I saw from the trailer. I'm like, wow, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> no one's, I mean, so that's going to be seven now, I think? Is that yeah, six probably. or seven? Because I have the first six, I think. So mm. unless they've been making more of them, yeah, who knows? Is bon Bon Jovi still in those at all? Probably not. Was he? He was. He was in a couple of them. He oh sta- wow! He started in one or two of them. I think. Mm. Yeah. He was a replacement for Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I want to say Bon Jovi was in the third or fourth or fifth one, or maybe all three of them. Wow! Yeah. Damn Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. <laughs> I mean, that's his actual name. He changed it to Bon Jovi because he hates Italians. It's true. Excellent choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, Riker looks at Picard, who quotes Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, and I wrote this down. I'm sorry. There is a time in the affairs of men which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune omitted all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries on such a full sea are we now afloat we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures what the fuck is that no one knows that <laughs> no one has talked like that for the last 400 years guy don't do that to people eh, I, th- I think that's very very tng picard it is it's it's picard to to use shakespeare but yeah. like that, that that's not your audience anymore guy like maybe no. in the 90s there were people who still read shakespeare and quoted it but you're yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel the Picard that he wants to be now is like he would have like taken out like a harmonica. I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. Like, I just started like doing. He, like, he's a much looser, more loosened up Picard. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like he would do the man from Nantucket. <laughs> he takes out a bass and just starts playing the bass and just goes into some sort of like, goes into the. I know you got it teed up. Well, he bit all the he dogs and winked at all the she dogs. The town never knew such a hullabaloo as that little dog raised till the end of that. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been amazing. If they if they did the Kim Cattrall scat on this episode, ten out of ten. Like straight up, I would I would um, uh, I don't I don't I don't know what I do. <laughs> it's 
all for you, Metalis. Yeah, like, well, I have his address, <laughs> so I do know what I do. <laughs> and jump off and jump You're off. mine now, old man. <laughs> Just jump off a building and hang yourself in front of him. <laughs> this is all for you. All for you, Thank Metalis. you. All for you. <laughs> so after the toast, they all clink their glasses, and Picard adds one final note. He pulls up a card. The Ace of Spades. If you want to gamble, I'll tell you I'm a man. Win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. <laughs> that would have been also sick if he just... Oh, yeah. If, if, if instead of the, the Shakespeare, is like, When pleasure is your game, it makes no distance what you play. <laughs> He has a motorhead like patch on the back of his jacket. Yeah, that'd be sick. That'd be sick. <laughs> the only god I need is the ice of spades. The ice of spades. Sick ass song. Go listen to Motorhead. Everybody. Yeah, especially that album. Great album. It's a good album. So, settling in his quarters on the Enterprise. Oh, um, yeah, settling in his quarters on the Enterprise. Jack sets his bag down on his bunk. Well, look at you, a chip off the old... Okay, so, yeah, they everyone just plays poker. And that's the, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the end of Picard. I, that's I, the I very did, end of all of Picard. I, yeah, I did, I did like that. Like, the song was booming in that theater. It was so sick. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, like the, the theme, I was just like, yes, yes! Mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah, I mean, I think they could have maybe put one absolute banger line in here or something mm. that there was a reference to all good things mm. uh, like if if here we go again <laughs> no 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 you know like because to me like the best lines written in the entirety of tng are i should have done this a long time oh, ago yeah. you were always welcome like I don't know if they reworked that somehow mm-hmm. and he was like, I'm glad I started this a long time ago or, you know, so, something like nostalgic, something that brings you back to that moment. Cause that moment yeah, still I'm, makes me cry. I'm glad I'm here. And like, they're like, yeah, yeah like, yeah. Say, like we all are or something. Yes. Uh, yeah. Or, or yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Or just like, there's nowhere else I'd rather be in it. And like, they're all laugh. And then like, it cuts to Laris's corpse rotting somewhere where he left mm-hmm. her. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. So that's the end of the series. What or you, is it? What did you think? Uh, or is it? <laughs> so <laughs> settling into his corners on the enterprise, Jack sets his bag down on his bunk. Well, look at you, a chip off the old block, the voice says behind him. Jack turns around, phaser in hand. Why do you have your phaser in your hand? <laughs> Finding himself face to face with none other than our motherfucker, Q. Mm-hmm. Fucking John Delancey's back, baby. Hell I fucking yeah. love to see him. So um, apparently Picard had told Jack all about him, but Jack had thought Q was dead. We all thought Q was dead because yeah. that's how you wrote the last shitty season, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so Q quips that he had hoped the next generation would not think so linearly. They are. That's great. Perfect. Yeah. It makes sense. Q doesn't exist in time. That's why he can't die at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Or if he does, he still exists beyond that time. Yeah. Like I said, 
on our very first episode of this podcast, you know? Yeah, linear time is only a perception that humans have. <clears throat> yeah, it's, now that I think about it, it's kind of cool that, like, something I said a year ago ended up actually, like, coming true in full circle mm. entirely. Oh, yeah. I wonder if Terry's been listening to this thing since the get-go. Uh-oh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have hits on our on our heads. <laughs> God, please. Please do You're it. You're doing me a favor, Terry! <laughs> um, so... Um, uh, Q tells the young mortal that he has much ahead of him. Picard had told Jack that humanity's trial was over. And Q says, yes, that's true for Picard. For Jack, however, your trial has just begun. Say what? That's the end of Picard. Yeah. What do you think? Um, yeah, I like this episode a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, said it before, like, yeah, it was like, um, I feel the writing was really tight. All mm -hmm. the moments between all the characters were excellent. Yep. Like, um, yeah, the <clears throat> only problem I had with this episode was the previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, and well, the previous episodes, mm -hmm. like the setup wasn't great. You know, there were a couple things I thought that didn't make a ton of sense. But as I said, with like our first contact review, I will excuse quite a bit of missteps in storytelling as long as it's entertaining. Mm -hmm. And I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah. This whole 63 minutes yeah. went, went by like a flash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was good. Like, um, and yeah, I, I think I did voice concern over whether or not I thought it was going to <clears throat> wrap up nicely. And it did. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, we were both very concerned because mm -hmm. they hit the 11th hour like telling kind of a brand new story from the previous nine yeah. episodes. And yeah. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> mm. uh, but you know what? Credit where credit's due. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Motless. And it makes sense. Like, yeah, I mean, they couldn't fit Laris in there because I mean, she was really like, like I kind of did feel like they were, did want to phase out most of the characters introduced in the first two seasons. Yeah. Like, Raffi's like, I think the only survivor of that. Yep. And, mm -hmm. Just wise, I could I could feel like right. I mean, unless you count seven. Yeah, I, I know. Well, yeah, she's, yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's, she's a legacy character. character yeah. Like, uh, but all of all the new characters introduced through, mm -hmm. in the first two seasons, she's the only one that's still around, which is mm -hmm. smart. I think she had the most, like, probably last be like. But I, I did like Rios a lot. Yeah, I liked Rios too, and it didn't make sense for him to be like, oh yeah, I want to be a uh, World War Three stepdad. That sounds really cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. because you know what? They don't have real cigars in the future. Yeah. So I'm gonna like give up all of the conveniences of mm -hmm. of the future so i can live in a dystopia <laughs> yeah where i'll probably be emulated by like a nuclear bomb yeah uh but like um but no i like i like that it's i would set it up for a star trek legacy like mm -hmm. you know i'm in very interested in watching that like see where I, it goes. I am too and it's crazy because like a week ago I was like, no, not yeah. interested in Star Trek Legacy. Terry has bad politics. It's not going to work. Yeah. And I'm like, now I'm like, fuck, I don't know, man. I yeah. don't know. Like, there's still some things politically with this season I think are very problematic, mm -hmm. especially, um, you know, torturing people, fucking uh, a drug user, fucking trying to put another drug user into withdrawal as mm -hmm. a form of torture and coercion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, fucking... <clears throat> Stabbing oh. people behind their backs and as an quote unquote honorable warrior. <laughs> yeah. 
um, but, you know, you know threatening it, execution in order to get information and goods. Um, at least I think we went out in the way where they turned the Section 31 show into only a movie. Yes. So. I, I'm glad in... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we maybe should have a full, like, uh, Trek News discussion on that or something. Because <laughs> that's going to be interesting. And I really hope... I mean, it has to be about taking Section 31 down. I mean, it will take maybe... place in the past, so I don't think it will. Did they say it takes place in the past? I'm pretty sure because, like, I, I think they just sent, like, um, um, uh, George, uh, they didn't Beard say where George they sent Georgiou. They didn't say what time. Mm. They just sent, they, they only say they sent her to the past, mm. which is why I'm very hopeful they sent her to the 25th century, mm. which would make plenty of sense because it's not like she exists in that universe at that time anyway. Yeah. She's from the mirror universe, yeah. so. Yeah, Sorry. that's the only thing. Yeah, like, um, <clears throat> yeah, because I'm like, well, hopefully, because like it seems like, well, if they're just gonna turn that into a movie, maybe like they'll move more Section Thirty One elements into Legacy, which I don't want. I do not want. Yeah, that. and because uh, I, I think it could survive just on the on the on the merit of like you know the characters that they introduced, you mm -hmm. know, um, you know, like Sydney and like and Jack. You know, I mean, I'm kind of worried about you know him being like the special boy type thing. Yeah, I mean, and they've set that up, un unfortunately, a little too well, because, like, Q's like, oh, yes, you are a special boy. You are the most special boy in the universe. Yeah, like, nah. Which, I mean, I, I get it. He just, like, Q just wants a mouthful of cum with the last name Picard on it. Yeah. That's all he needs in mm -hmm. life. And so he's like, well, his trial is over because he can no longer get hard. But you <laughs> have a young, hard, gorgeous <laughs> dick, Jack. <laughs> Put it in my mouth and I'll leave you alone. <laughs> For now. Nah, I hope we see that, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how it's going to affect it. Yeah. I'm going to give this episode an 8, yeah. maybe an 8.5. Yeah, it's a good score. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, mean, I I really enjoyed it. it. Did feel very cinematic, and mm -hmm. it did feel like a movie. It did, and, and the I plus seen in the IMAX. I think made yeah. it, it made the experience way more intense. I haven't seen the episode. I only saw it once in the IMAX theater. I haven't watched it again. <clears throat> yeah, well, I I honestly I don't think it really made it feel that much bigger mm. because I mean, well, first off, I've got a a hundred twenty inch movie screen right yeah. here that we usually watch it on, and mm -hmm. like. You know, at least when it's not nighttime, I can turn the volume way up. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I do have a movie theater experience here, but mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like, uh, what? Because they showed episode nine and ten there, and I watched episode nine like three times, and then I watched it in the theater. I don't think it had a lot more impact, and I also don't think the transfer on on um, episode nine was quite as good, mm -hmm. uh, especially like uh, when they were talking to like Admiral Shelby and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There were some like artifacts and stuff and like I don't, I don't think this is like a, a direct um, remux transfer mm -hmm. so I, yeah I think there was some weird compression on it I think they used a uh, get this one Terry a codec <laughs> they used a compression codec on it that they should not have uh, <laughs> that's what that means um, but yeah it was uh, still you know it was it was a cool experience at least being yeah, in the theater cool. for it. Yeah, and they gave us a it was nice and loud it was it was very the sound i think was the real big thing yeah was, yeah hearing hearing like the themes and with the with the IMAX around sound was sick as fuck and i will say the music on this entire season fucked yeah yeah it was like it was exceptional i totally forget i just followed the guy who did the music on the series today mm. but especially like the reworks he did of 
the Star Trek First Contact theme uh, was first awesome. Con- yeah, First Contact theme was awesome. Yeah, they used that several times in this last episode. Um, and then just all of the reworks of the TNG theme. There must have been at least probably like four or five different reworks specifically of mm-hmm. that theme. And the one they used in this last episode that has some violin sweeps with the fanfare over it is awesome oh, it's yeah. one of the coolest rearrangements i've ever heard of the song yeah hopefully and they I, release those for like, they are they're going to they're oh, going to yeah. yep yep uh they're going to even release them on vinyl which oh, i'm shit, pretty yeah. stoked about yeah <laughs> i might even get that shit on vinyl because like that, that shit fucking slaps yeah, dude put that in just like put some headphones on mm-hmm. like, like straight up it might be the best soundtrack to a star trek project since first contact maybe yeah i could see that like yeah. it's very good yeah so it had all the the classic themes and mm-hmm. reworks of the classic themes. Yeah, given yeah, a lot of it wasn't original. A lot of mm-hmm. it was just reworks. But like, yeah, you know, this was a nostalgia fest. Like yeah. that's what we asked for, and yeah. they gave it to us musically. At least. Yeah, honestly, I wish we had like this <laughs> season, you know, at the first one. Everyone like, does. Yeah, everyone like, does, and they they, they kind of talked about it at the end because like Patrick Stewart didn't want to do that. Yeah. Patrick Stewart is the one person who was like, nope. Mm-hmm. we're not going to do that and so yeah. they're like okay well we'll do that for a season and then in the middle of the second season he's like okay we can do that yeah and then so I want Terry, all new characters that are awful yeah <laughs> yeah give me give me a fucking a reddit guy who really likes cigars mm-hmm. <laughs> now give me a black woman with a drug problem who's distanced from her family <laughs> and a childlike murder elf <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping El- I'm hoping they address El- like uh, Elnor's El- death. Yeah, Elnor's death. Yeah. The thing is, Terry said uh, so. He was supposedly on the was it the Excelsior yeah, or something? Excelsior, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like uh, last season, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously got blown up this season. Uh, we talked about last episode, but Terry said Elnor was not there. Damn it! That's just opening him up to be in Legacy. Yeah, unfortunately. We don't need him. I hate him. Yeah. Oh. Well. Yep, I really hope they don't visit basically anything from Picard season one through three on Legacy. I don't think they really need to. No, I mean, I mean that's the thing. Like, especially like with um, you know, it can leave uh, open like cameos from Janeway, mm-hmm. Neelix. I'm hoping so, for a Neelix. Uh, so, um, in the original scripts, and I think this, oh my God, I don't remember what Terry has said on interviews and what he's actually told me, but I think he said it in the thing last night that originally they were trying to bring Janeway in, mm. uh, in the original scripts, right? Was that last night? Maybe. I think so. I don't know. But he, he also said that um, uh, initially Roe was supposed to be in two episodes, one of them with Tuvok. Mm. which would have been interesting, but there was a lot of time and budget things. Mm. So, you know, it's obvious that he wanted to do more, but they couldn't do some things and they could do some things that maybe shouldn't have been done. Yeah. I don't know. You know, nothing's perfect, but yeah. the way they Nobody's ended, nerfed. Yeah. Um, the way they ended this though was surprisingly good. Yeah. Honestly, like I liked it a lot. Like, um, mm. I mean, it was obviously leagues ahead of the previous two seasons. Yes. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, in my opinion, inarguable. Like, if yeah. you like the first two seasons better than this season... There's something wrong with you. I mean, it's just I don't think you really understand Star Trek <laughs> in, in, a w- in the way that, like, well, I, I do. Also, also, just, like, mm-hmm. just, like, you don't understand anything. <laughs> yeah, you, I, you don't understand storytelling structure. <laughs> like, 
why why the stakes are supposed to be the way they are like what makes emotional stakes what makes like mm. physical stakes? yeah there's and plus like season two is this and like if, if you watch it you think you're going insane well, I mean, you were at the time. Yeah, so was, you know. I know. I was. I, was so, I mean, it gave us both severe depression yeah, and I was, anxiety. Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was watching it on my own with no, no one twisting, no one saying I needed to watch it to do a podcast. Oh, oh yeah, true. You went in on that baby dry. I, I went <laughs> on that dry. Just, uh-huh. just hate watching. Just to, like let it surge through me. Like yes. Oh, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, but I watched every episode. And uh, I, I have mentioned this, I think, before. I'm not sure if I have. Uh, so I stopped drinking the day Strange New Worlds began, which was mm. the day that Picard season two ended mm. because I couldn't watch season two of Picard without drinking. Yeah. And I did feel that way sometimes this season, mm-hmm. uh, especially around like episodes like seven, eight. I was like, what is going on? Like none of this makes sense in yeah. any context. Like mm. everyone's bad at their job. <laughs> e. Um, yeah. Why is Data and Lauren the same body? I thought that was okay. Mm. That was that was fine. That whole thing was fine. What wasn't fine was a section thirty one using it for their security program and their manifest for all things, even though they didn't understand how the technology worked. And no one seemed to um, to access it even knowing that something was stolen. Right. And and then after that, fucking Jordy plugging him into the system and him taking over because that's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I mean. Jordy, have we learned nothing? Right. And so, <laughs> like, have you never met Lord Jordy? You were on that episode. We saw you. Come on, Jordy. Mm-hmm. Like, Data's supposed to be your best fucking friend, buddy. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, overall, um, I don't know what my average rating for the season is, mm-hmm. but given this episode, I, you know, I maybe bump it up five or six or something like that. Yeah. Um, like overall, I, it probably has a lower aggregate rating. I'm actually probably going to have to go back. Yeah. Because there is a chance I might have to do young Sheldon. Yeah. And it's also like, uh, once it's, uh, a, an, uh, the final episodes released, you can like really judge it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Cause then like you see it like our overarching theme. Right. Where, like, right. And I mean, I think we kind of like, kind of saw like the Borg from the beginning almost. We did. We <laughs> called Locutus very early in the yeah, program. But I, I don't think we're like, no, it can't be that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause we're like, I mean, that was last season and kind of the season before. And like, yeah, I mean, the, X, the first season dealt with the XBs. Then we had the Borg Queen, mm. and then it's just like, so all Borg, Borg, Borg. Yeah, but it's all different Borg somehow. I'm like, re- that's a lot of Borg. And then yeah. there's still one more Borg out there, the Jurati now. I'm like, mm. All right, more Borg. All right, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm into Star Trek Legacy happening, I guess. Yeah. I think it could be cool. Yeah, it might be, might be sick. I mean, we we we'll, we'll 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 take any Star Trek, you know. It's like I yeah. mean, we'll watch any Star we'll Trek they give Trek. us. We're not gonna like it necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Like I fucking hated season one and two of the show. Yeah, and I ended up kind of liking season three. I mean, I, I know my ex saw me watching season two. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? I'm like, I don't know. I need, but you, I just need to finish it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a completionist thing. I get it. Like, yeah. I'm a Trekkie, and so like, even if I don't like some Trek. 
I want to be able to express why, mm-hmm. like, well to other Trekkies and be like, yeah, I don't like that because of this and this and this. Yeah. And, you know, it's like when I explain to other Trekkies why I don't like Discovery, like, very seldom are they like, you're wrong, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of good reasons to not like it. <laughs> like, especially if you're really into old Trek and that's what you want, like, mm-hmm. it it delivers a very different and inconsistent narrative structure, I think. Yeah. The fucking show has had uh, more showrunners than it has had seasons, mm. which is a bad omen. And, uh, and I will say, like, um, I'm hoping, like, Legacy doesn't also do, like, um, the same mistake I felt Discovery did, which is, like, make it all about a single character and i, I don't, I don't it's want it's not going to do that yeah it yeah. is straight up not gonna i mean it, you, I, we, we love our ensemble trick yeah you can already see from the way that like terry metallis tells stories yeah that that's not how he does and, and I, we have, have, and, have you watched any of uh, 12 monkeys uh not the show okay i used Tw- to watch the movie like on repeat yeah the fucking movie's amazing <laughs> um 12 monkeys the show is really good uh <laughs> last two seasons especially very very good mm. um and like you know terry metallis was the showrunner i think mm-hmm. for t- seasons two three and four i want to okay. say or something like that but like it, it it's a show that gets progressively better and it's an ensemble cast mm. which has i mean three of the people we saw this season the fucking mm. um the ferengi guy the evil vulcan and uh, todd stashwick is mm. like a main character all three of them are pretty much main characters oh, so. cool. um it's super interesting though and it's like um it's it's not idyllic at all it's not it's it's very morally gray which i like Mm. and he makes a point to like show that like certain people can be heroes and villains based on their actions like Mm -hmm. simultaneously kind of and like in different time periods it's it's super interesting i'd recommend watching it okay is it on my server probably i actually don't think it is i gotta put that shit on my server dog do it it's not yeah it's a good show good show it was on sci-fi and Mm -hmm. mid 2000 2010s rather yeah i don't think i had tv at that point interesting i didn't have tv for a number of years <laughs> and what i could only watch was on like what i could catch on so those those are some of the years we worked together you didn't have tv then when you lived with your brother i think you did i think i came over to your house once no you didn't have a tv Mm-mm. wild yeah sucks. yeah like I, I i ended up buying cable and then never watched it <laughs> sucks yeah all right so um i don't know any final thoughts or anything let's see no um yeah, like uh, see where it goes. You know, you know, I was pleasantly. Su- I will admit, I was pleasantly surprised. Like I going in had mm. zero faith of the heart. Yeah, that I was. I thought this was going to make me want to die. Me too. I uh, thought. I thought. I actually. You know, I have the ceremonial knives mm-hmm. over there. Uh, we were going to do a ritual suicide after yeah. this episode. Um, yeah. Because it seemed like the right thing to do. I mean, given (laughs) given episode nine, it seemed like the only thing. Yeah. But uh, uh, it it was an enjoyable experience. Like the IMAX experience definitely made it really cool. Like Mm -hmm. the uh, the free popcorn was nice. I I kept the popcorn tin. I think so. Me too. Yeah. 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 yeah, Over there on my couch, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Going to frame the special little poster that came. They gave us a pretty cool poster. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Like, yeah. You know, and I. You know, I think it's a good send off. You know, especially after Nemesis, like this is this feels like a more appropriate send off to our nice characters because also like in Nemesis, like that's one thing in the TNG movies, like a lot of the characters didn't get a lot of attention. Like it was basically just like fucking um, Picard and Data that it mm-hmm. focused on. Yeah, and 
everyone else fell to the wayside and didn't yes. get their moments to shine. So, yeah, this was a superior send-off yes. to Nemesis in, I'd say, every way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Just, yeah, because I don't even think, like, um, Michael Dorn had anything to do in Nemesis. Like, he... I mean, he shouldn't even been in Nemesis. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense for him to be, like, he literally just took a job on on Kronos, like, yeah. being an ambassador, mm-hmm. like, right after a very important war where they're still picking up the pieces, and he's like, yeah, my buddy over in my old job, <laughs> he needs a hand. Can't someone else do it? Yeah, but, uh... Klingon suck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was given absolutely nothing to do, and it's just sad. And mm-hmm. here he got he got to be, like, the comic relief. He and, did. And he got yeah. to had a lot of fine moments to shine and got to even, you know, he added, he's added so much depth to Worf already mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. And he, and... Although, I will say, if not for this episode, I would have been disappointed in him. Mm. Like, he really shined in the last episode. He did, he did. Like, he was almost all of the comic relief, and all of it was good and true to his character. Yes. There was a couple people online, I think I saw someone saying that, like, uh, his lines were soy, and I went back and, like, watched them, like, people have way too broad of a concept of what soy is Mm -hmm. anymore. Like, soy is, like, talking to the camera, self-aware, oopsie, Mm kind of bullshit. It's not, like... Yeah, it's yeah. Like all he said was like things Worf would have said thirty five years ago oh, yeah. when Joss Wheaton's soy dialogue mm-hmm. didn't exist. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Some people like have been far too, I don't know, fucking criticism pilled and can no mm-hmm. longer conceive of like good comic relief mm-hmm. in dramatic things mm. without it being like that's silly. Yeah. Yeah, he came out pretty good. Like, uh, I liked all of his moments, and, you know, I'm hoping we get to actually understand what he's actually all about. Like, that's one thing that I just felt was unclear, is just, like, his his uh, belief system and how it stands now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we just really need an episode where they go to Kronos, mm-hmm. and, like, he's sitting with the High Council, mm-hmm. with the House of Martok. With J.G. Hertzler. Fucking A, brother. <laughs> um, yeah. Hell yeah. That'd be sick. Indeed. So, you know, I, um, I was wrong. Yeah. Oops. Oopsie daisy. And you know what? That's just like data discovering what it's like to be human. It's like sometimes, you know, it's like an ever evolving process. Hell yeah. We all grow as people, man. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, I think. That's a good place to leave it. Did you just fart? I didn't. I'm sorry. God damn it. Wait until after the episode, Patrick. Sorry. Well, I guess it's time for us to warp away. Be well. Travel safe. And as Soy Trek, rule of ass lickization, number, you know what number three says? Sometimes you're wrong. And sometimes. Not when it feels so right. Sometimes you're wrong, (laughs) and sometimes you hang dumb. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for checking with the soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang Hang dong and shocker.